0: The devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. What do we do? He's been here once tonight. I think he'll come back. I'm going to wait for him. I still think I should notify the radio and tell them no. If you do that, they'll see him on every street corner. They'll look for him in every house. Just tell your men to keep their mouths shut and their eyes open.
1: Death has
0: come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop
2: it. It's Rick. It's Rick. There's magic in the air. It's Rick. Broadcasting everywhere. It's Rick. I can't believe my ears. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. It's Rick. It's Rick, it's Rick. That joke was kind of wrong. It's Rick. They're playing top five songs. It's Rick. The streets are lined with and people laughing. Everybody seems so happy. He's more than a little daffy. It is Rick. It's Rick.
3: Dungeon Studio with Sarah and with Tim, Richie
2: Bristol taking phone calls until they summon him. I look in through the window, oh, I can't believe my ears, and in my bones I feel his rage. This will all end in tears. Oh, look, it's Rick. They're hanging out with stars. They diss, his show is so unique. He's wired, they're lining up around the Crystal Ballroom to see him roast it alive. It's Rick. Rick in here They're watching TMZ Out there He's going to the plan And why He's going to buy another Visa, drink Another tablet magazine Kirstie Alley's on the cover And a pretty spread inside It sounds like fun It sounds like fun for hours a day I get my wish It's Rick Oh my What now He's calling CNN To talk To Lisa, Bob, and Jim They chat But not about the news Or facts or politics No only little factoid Things in idle converse it's Rick. And Mr. Skin is
1: missing because Richie didn't call. Is he still hungover from the Cobra alcohol? The
2: screaming con watch makes it the lotion on its skin. In less than an hour, means the show will soon begin. It's Rick, the sound, he's everywhere and all around. I've never felt so good before. This empty place inside of me is filling up. I simply cannot get enough. I want it, oh, I want it, oh, I want it for my own. I've got to know, I've got to know what is this show that I have found. What is this? Emerson. Hmm.
4: My hello, it is 7 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of October, in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM970, The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 733 2970, if you'd like to join us today. 503 733 2970. 970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvitches, ruminations, ponderings, two cents, or what have ye. It is 503 733 2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along the observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the absurd. It is 503 733 2970. 503 733 And as Orson Welles once said, hello, it's Halloween. Was the Anniversary of the War of the Worlds thing yesterday or today? Somebody told me it was yesterday, but I thought it was Halloween, though. Didn't it happen on Halloween? Isn't that the whole deal? Because doesn't he end... Doesn't Orson Welles end the War of the Worlds broadcast by saying... He says something to the effect of... And should there be a strange visitor upon your doorstep, fear not. It's Halloween. But maybe it was on the night before. Maybe it was Halloween Eve or something like that. I'll look it up and I'll let you know. Right? Was that on? That wasn't on CBS, but he was a former CBS employee at that point. It wasn't was he? on CBS. Where the, the Word, Theater of the Air was CBS. Fantastic. All right. Well, there you go. See, CBS's legacy of broadcast, amusement, and entertainment stretches back uh, at least, well, you know, at least 90 years. So there you go. And it lives on today, my friends, right here on the Rick Emerson program, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, it is Halloween, and howdy to you. Coming up later on this hour, CNN Radio correspondent Dick Giuliano will join us. Um, is he out on the road? Where is he at today? Hold on, let me let me double check. Where of the Worlds was October 30th. 1938, airing on the Columbia Broadcasting System. Wow, so that was 70 years ago. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. All right, so Dick Juliano was on a hill in Washington, D.C. We were talking to him today. Uh, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com will be here today. Uh, He will come on in with his top five horror movie scores. We're discussing top five scores from a horror film. And I think Film Fever Radio has been doing that thing. I think they were going around kind of interviewing a whole bunch of people about favorite horror film, the film that scared them the most, or whatever, so we'll talk to Aaron about that. Uh, we'll do a, uh, another election exit poll today as we draw ever nearer to election night. Coming up next Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. Uh, that is Tuesday, 7 p.m. The Rick Emerson Show's political party will be happening at Grand Central Bowl, 8th and Morrison in beautiful southeast of Portland. Uh, we will all be there hanging out, pressing the flesh. Tim will be broadcasting live, giving you updates and exciting analysis throughout the night as we either celebrate or commiserate, kind of depending on who you are and where you fall on the ideological spectrum. So that is coming up next Tuesday, November 4th. Uh, we'll also be carrying CNN long-form coverage, Kira Phillips, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Castabaum, Jim Roop. Uh, it's going to be quite a night. So that is next Tuesday, November 4th, brought to you by our uh, fine sponsors, Taboo Adult Video, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, and in partnership with the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project. Uh, we're also going to talk to some folks in the Oregon Bus Project later on this hour. They're doing that trick-or-vote thing I Like like a thousand people who are all dressed up as hobgoblins or whatever, and I don't really know if hobgoblins are the same thing as goblins.
5: Wait, I, so some trick or treating, they're going to people's houses to get them to vote?
4: I guess. I'm gonna pretend right now that I know what I'm talking about. I really don't. Um, they're way more responsible and politically active than I am. Is it gonna so. be
5: the dreamy Jefferson with calling? Can I
4: just cut right to the chase? Storm told me to do it, and so I'm doing it. So we're talking to some, we're talking to somebody from Trick or Vote, and she didn't really tell me to do it. But just sort of via email, she did that. She did that thing of just batting her eyes at me. But it was sort of like uh, it, it was sort of electronically, like I got sort of a binary eye batting uh, from Storm in, in my inbox. She was like, "So Rick, would you ever be you know, would you ever be willing to talk to the trick or bow guys?" Like, sure, whatever you say. Uh, so that's gonna be later on the but It doesn't matter. I don't need to know what I'm talking about because they do. Clergy watch coming up uh, today. Uh, Geek watch coming up today, and uh, other things of that nature. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Halloween. A Portland woman claims her car was towed while she was in labor. A driver ends up at the Columbia River this morning after careening up ring Drive. Oh. Vancouver boys dropped rocks on cars from an overpass because they were bored. A former University of Washington employee dies after dousing himself with gasoline, setting himself on fire right in the middle of the Seattle campus. Men's Vogue will only publish two issues a year. You're going to miss it. It's going to rain all Halloween all the way through Election Day. And because it's Election Day, we'll be hearing more about... Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Win! Uh. I I have a whole list of lame this jockey Halloween jokes oh fantastic. yes fantastic these Forest day. I found them on the. somebody pays for them and uses them here apparently were these from a uh, prepared comedy service or something I kind? believe so yes please tell me these are jokes that somebody at CBS pays to use they must that's wonderful Rock Obama that's wonderful alright and it's then for a... lunch I'm going to have a burrito ok was that on the sheet Tim I that's one I made up last year I'm just recycling them Say, Tim, let me ask you this. Under what legal authority do ghosts scare people? I don't know. What? <laughs> haunting license. <laughs> haunting license. Like haunting license.
1: Oh. Uh,
4: the judges would also have accepted under the Bill of Frights. <laughs> but slammed! Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you?
5: Hello. Hey. Oh, I don't uh, know how I can follow that. You
4: can't, Sarah. Give up now. I
5: can't. It's
4: true. Uh, sort of the iron chef of comedic uh, radio wit over here. Yes, uh, it's true. How are you today?
5: I'm doing well. Right, I'm then. doing well. Yeah, yesterday was yeah. I had a thing yesterday. I went. To, I had to go to a funeral yesterday. think so that right. was that was why I left. My friend Doug passed last week. So um, yeah, I went to his funeral. So that was sad. Um, I got to see a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a while and stuff, so
4: we were uh, we we were we missed. Exhibiting proper decorum by simply saying you had a prior commitment. Yeah. So I figured, all right. Well. I, know, I
5: know. I feel bad, too, because people will write me and be like, Flacker, why are you not on the show? And I, I don't want to write and say, like, oh, I'm at a
4: funeral. <laughs> now, well, let me just ask you. May I, uh, may I repeat the conversation that took place between you and Tim yesterday yes. as <laughs> oh, you were leaving? I'm so sorry. So oh, this, Kim, you're fine. <laughs> uh, go back up for a moment and say that uh, yesterday. So yes, yeah, Sarah, we, you and were. And Doug, Doug did listen to the show. He was, he was a great man. And I saw that photograph of you guys. That was, it was pretty sweet and great, and you know, and wonderful and sad, and it, 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 a great photo of you, of you, of you two. So Sarah had a funeral to go through yesterday, and you know, we, which we all kind of do. and we didn't mention on the air just because you know, whatever. We just you of know, said it was prior commitment. You figured whatever, and so. So? Well, I, I was holding things up anyway because I was talking to Kristen in the, in the kitchen about real estate when she actually should have been in here, so Sarah Dylan could leave.
5: Oh no, I was just checking to make sure that she was here because oh. I was getting paranoid. I'm like, oh god, what if she? Of course she'll show up. Kristen's so, so mm-hmm. responsible. Oh mm-hmm. yes.
4: So at noon, there's this changeover where Sarah is leaving to go to the funeral, and, and then Kristen Bowie's coming in, and so Sarah is kind of gathering up her things and getting ready to leave. And as Sarah heads out, Tim is sort of typing away and doing whatever. And Tim just obviously just you know just a reflex or just one of those things you say without thinking about it. Sarah said, uh, "Okay, well I'm I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll see you guys tomorrow." And Tim goes, "Okay, have fun." And, and, then, and then there was just and then and then there was this great pause. I, I knew immediately. <laughs> and then that, that I chose badly. Tim said, "Okay, have fun." And then there was this great pause, and goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. That's not fun." So which is. Here's the only reason it's great is because now I feel less awkward about wishing Steve Kastenbaum a happy Yom Kippur, which apparently <laughs> isn't happy or fun either. So there you go. So now you know. Now it's your turn, Sarah. No,
5: and it was so it was strange yesterday because we're all, you know, it's, it's, a ton of people showed up, so it was just packed full of people. Right. And when you see every, you know, you're seeing all these people that you know from all different, you know, walks of life because Doug was a filmmaker and he was also a very well-known bartender all around town and um, just seeing everybody and everyone would accidentally always say like, how are you? And then. Every single person we don't be like, Oh, good, Sorry. bad, no, I guess I'm okay. And then you would and then you'd say, Okay, I'm not gonna do that again then you'd see somebody else and they'd come up to you and be like, How are you doing? It's like Ah, uh, good.
4: No, it's... and that it is. It was
5: very strange. It was just social awkwardness all around. But, you know, that's what funerals are. Like, there's no right thing to say.
4: And the only good thing about that situation is that everybody is in the same awkward boat. Mm. You know that everybody, you know, all around the cemetery, funeral home, wherever it is, everybody's making that same mistake all day long. Hey, how's it going? Oh, damn. Yep. And then working in radio, do you find yourself wishing this? Do you find yourself longing for a 10-second delay in life? For
5: a dump button for life. Totally. Yes.
4: Hey, uh, how's your day going? Oh, crap. Dump. So, yeah. well, I don't want a funeral anyway. i do. quick cremation. Throw me one of those boxes and scatter me in the park. Done well, and done. That's it. Uh, well, okay. You heard it here. Yeah, you know, so we'll do a uh, uh, do. You know, we'll do a. We'll have the newsbot do a tribute to you, Tim. That would be terrific. Right. Because I love like, the newsbot.
5: <laughs> yeah. I'm like that
4: would be like. He will be so missed.
5: Not the thing that Tim would want.
4: Oh, all right. So, yeah,
5: so yesterday was just oh, emotionally draining. It was, and this is like the, yeah, the first funeral I've had to go for like a friend, so mm.
4: that was. And those are that's always weird too. Especially it is weird.
5: It is weird. And I'm just like, 'cause I kept thinking that, you know, 'cause I saw these people, and he would usually be there, and I kept thinking, I'm like, oh well, you know. But actually, for a second there, I was like, where's Doug? I'm like, oh.
4: And you never totally, mind. and not as well, but you do that. You do that thing too. If you're like, there is that thing where you, uh, I've been to a couple funerals where, and it's always strange because I think you get to a certain point in your life. You hit a certain age, and maybe you know it's obviously not, a, you know it's still still sad and horrible and everything. But you know, but you, maybe you're sort of prepared for it. Mm-hmm. You know, at a certain age though. But when you're younger, I, I think that there is you got that that additional weirdness of like it just it, you know it just you know very much of before their time kind of thing. But then you're at the funeral and you do that that thing of uh, of the sometimes you will reflexively want to like tell them something mm-hmm. or. You, you know, where they're like, oh, you know, they would really appreciate whatever's happening. isn't it a layer of weirdness. So, anyway.
5: It totally was. Yeah, and, like, um, some friends flew in from town, from out of town, because Sabala is his good friend. And so right. You know, Sabala moved a while ago after Sabala's closed and stuff. So, it was, it was good to see him and stuff. I wish it was, you know, under better circumstances. Right. So, that's that. That was my day. I, I, yeah, went out, you know, drinking with everybody and... Patch on my dress, last that, night. That's how
4: Doug would have wanted it, Sarah. Yeah, that's exactly how he would have so wanted it. That is, it. that's the best tribute you could have given him. It's
5: true. I, I really do believe that that's what he would have wanted.
4: So. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's see. Okay, what else? We have some phone calls to get through here. I got a couple notes from last night, and then we'll uh, then we'll do these calls. We'll take a break. Come back with uh, Dick Giuliano. So again, Aaron Duran's going to be here later on. Um, I think he's bringing his hot sister with him. I didn't say that. I was just thinking that. I didn't say that out loud. Richie will keep her company. Uh, top five horror movie scores, exit polls, clergy watch, geek watch. Oh, don't forget, one random on air caller today wins a copy of The Hulk on DVD. All star cast, including Academy Award nominees Ed Norton and Tim Roth, now available on DVD. The Hulk. Also, one random on air caller today wins a pair of tickets to see The Exorcist on the big screen at the Regal Broadway. Uh, the Regal Broadway Cinemas, The Exorcist, two tickets on the big screen. And finally, don't forget, everybody. you know, we kind of get that post event let down is like postpartum depression I'm already I was talking to Susan Reynolds about this because the election and the election night party it's coming up on Tuesday and then you know the next day we'll have the wrap up but then on Thursday it's going to be kind of a what now I'll tell you what now what then uh, we're going to be doing the Portland premiere of Quantum of Solace the new James Bond film which is getting excellent reviews we'll be doing a red carpet premiere for that you could be going uh, more details on that to come um, yeah uh, so anyway just a couple notes from last night first of all I don't know if you saw this thing on Yahoo News It's interesting what the news chooses to highlight and what they don't. You can almost sometimes see how certain people believe the media to be biased. It's just a question of what they cover. So what did we talk about all day yesterday? The fact that there was this horrible moment where Joe the Plumber didn't show up and McCain... We're all Joe the Plumber! Um, Oh, that was gold. And that's not the headline at all today. That's the weird thing. The headline today, McCain rolls out Joe the Plumber on campaign stop. Because I guess he did manage to show up somewhere. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing they're sort of highlighting. And by the way, I hate to say this, Patrick... But now every time I look at uh, Joe the Plumber, I just think of my friend Patrick Rochelle, uh, who you know as the narrator for Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her. He's a big, you know, a big kind of oh, bald-headed yeah, yeah. guy who comes in and, uh-huh. Ebenezer, I barely knew her. That guy, every time I look at Joe the Plumber now, I just picture Patrick. So Sorry to put that on you, friend. Uh, well,
5: now I feel like I can't say anything bad about what a mouth-breather
4: Joe the Plumber is. No, He's totally I'm a mouth-breather. Patrick, not so much. Joe yeah. the Plumber, douche. And then last night on CNN, they had these long-form speeches Oh yeah, yeah. They had Barack Obama followed by John McCain. It it was just a a surreal experience listening to people make speeches in long form because you never see it on TV. No, Anderson Cooper, I found it equally frustrating and sort of heartening because, as you said, on the other, we we become such, you know, I'm talking cliches now, but such a soundbite culture, blah blah blah, where everything is just one or two quick lines. And Anderson Cooper, I guess to his credit, said. You know, we're going to try to let people hear the candidates as much as possible. So, yeah, it was like 35 minutes of Barack Obama and then 35 minutes of, uh, of John McCain, which is, you know, in a, in a way sort of pointless because, um, you know, I think everybody's made up their mind. But uh, did you see that thing last night? They said that 35 percent of Americans believe that Sarah Palin is qualified. You know how many, you know what percent of Americans are Republican? 35%. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that really right there speaks about this country and kind of where we are in terms of polarization. Did you see that Larry King interview with McCain the other night? No, I didn't. Larry King had a 35-minute interview with McCain somewhere that was made to look like the Oval Office. I don't know where it was exactly. Boy, Larry King just continues to be the just the master of the softball question. You know what I mean? So, how do you feel about your campaign right now? Do you like Sarah Palin? I mean, it was just all of these questions that just meant nothing at all. Just absolutely and totally without substance. But, so it's funny you mentioned that, because that, those are my notes from last night, Tim. So, they're doing the long-form speech from Barack Obama. And, by the way, the thing about Barack Obama is he is he is just this side of greatness in his speeches. This is my problem with Barack Obama and his speeches, is that... It's like if he was just a shade or two more believable or sincere, I think he would touch greatness with his with his speech giving, and I don't think he does. The problem with Barack Obama and I don't know if it's his speech writers or the way he gives them or a little bit of both, but it's like you got to go through corny before you can get to great. And so there's several different layers. You know what it is? It's like on that love that love test thing where you grab the handle and it says, like cold fish. Hot ticket. Smoking or whatever. It, you know what I'm talking about? With Barack Obama, it's like you know, on speeches of any kind, it goes to like bad, vaguely interesting, good, acceptable, inspiring, corny, cringe inducing, filled with cliches, brilliant. And he can't quite get to brilliant, and so a lot of Barack Obama's speeches. They make me cringe cuz they're really corny. They're really unbelievably sort of pandering and they kind of make my skin crawl a little bit. But you do get suckered in. Like he's a dustbuster, not a large vacuum cleaner. What? You kind of get suckered in just a little bit. Oh that that's the thing is I think that's exactly what I'm saying. Is that Barack Obama is almost great in mm-hmm. terms of his speeches. Not quite though. He stops just shy of great and so he's a little corny. Um, that is the difference between, in my opinion, him and him and Bill Clinton. Um, but I saw him, Obama, back-to-back, back, literally within about half an hour, two different speeches, two different places, roll out exactly the same lines that are made to look like casual throwaways. Like when he said John McCain and there some boos, and he said, you ought to boo, just vote! Which I, he did with it the same cadence, the same inflection, in two different cities, in about 30 minutes on CNN. Um, so let's see, what else? What other notes do we have from last night? Have you seen that genius ad that the Obama uh, camp is running, where it's the George Bush, the rearview mirror ad. Do you
3: no, know what I'm no. talking about?
4: Uh-uh. Man, I got to say the last great campaign ad was the McCain one from last week where they were like, they have Joe Biden going, he's going to be tested, there'll be an international incident, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then they have the scary voiceover going, it doesn't have to happen, vote for John McCain. Mwah. There was the most brilliant ad I saw last night. It's I, it's it's brilliant, and it's scary, and it's evil, and it's terrifying, and it's hilarious. And I urge you now to go watch it. It is an ad, I think, that's from the Obama campaign. I think it's an is official... Is it Riding Shotgun? It is Riding Shotgun. And just before you watch it, let me describe it real briefly. I think it's on YouTube. It is from the... It's a first-person perspective. In other words, it's like a, a you know point of view. And it's like you're driving the car, and it says... If you'd like to know where John McCain would take the country, you know, when he's in the driver's seat, just check the rearview mirror. And then the hand goes up, and they adjust the rearview mirror, and in the and in the rearview mirror pops up George Bush grinning evilly. It's hilarious and effective. And the thing is, what makes the ad so freaky is not that George Bush is scowling. Like, if Bush was scowling or looking evil, it would be, you know, whatever. It's that Bush is grinning and has this sort of wicked, evil smile on his face. Lara and I, we lulled. I laughed out loud. I went back, and I watched it three times in a row, and I laughed every time. It's fantastic. Okay, I'm waiting for it to buffer. Yeah, you got go to go wait. back and watch it. It's wonderful. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I have here last night, Bill Clinton sells the anecdotes. Uh, I believe him, uh, Obama, all service. I, this is my note from last night. Bill Clinton was and continues to be the only president who, when he gives those personal anecdotes, which he was doing last night, he was telling an anecdote about a woman who had to work two jobs, husband laid off, um, their kid has some in, untreatable illness, and he was saying, you know, and I talked to her about you know, the healthcare system, and she said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, you know, we've got to fix this country or whatever. When Bill Clinton tells those personal anecdotes, God help me, I believe him. I really do. Maybe that makes me a patsy. I don't know. I know that Bill Clinton is a shyster and he's slick, and he's a political operative, and he's manipulative, and he's a weasel. I know all of that, but here's the thing. You call me call me naive, call me whatever you want. I believe that Bill Clinton believes all that stuff. Now, I know that he also, there's part of him that is just a pure, evil, political machinist. In other words, there's part of Bill Clinton that is just cold calculation about how to govern. I know that, and how to win. I really do believe, though, when Bill Clinton speaks, I believe that he actually does care about those folks. Uh, I just, I absolutely believe it to my core. I think it gets sort of subsumed by his political aspirations and sort of the darker Machiavellian half of him. But I believe Bill Clinton does sort of feel people's pain. I think he does. I think it's just on his sleeve. I think that Hillary is sort of the evil half of that couple. Um, But he, he was telling this story. And you know what, Laura and I said the same thing last night. When he is telling this story about... This woman and her health care woes, Laura and I looked at each other and we like, God damn, I want Bill Clinton back as president. I, even today, right now, I would vote for Bill Clinton. I'd vote for Bill Clinton as, like, irremovable dictator. I'd do it this instant. All right, let's see, what else? A couple other brief notes. Uh, note to myself, as, as John McCain is screwing something up last night, Cindy McCain gets this angry look on her face. And I wrote to myself, in just a few years, we're going to be hearing about Cindy McCain being arrested for elder abuse. Mark my words. Uh, oh, so she t- what was she getting angry about? Uh, it was the Joe the Plumber. Is Joe here? We're all Joe the Plumber. That's
5: what I was saying. Yeah, when I saw that the first time, she looked yeah. so angry and, like,
4: and reptile-like. I'm just going to say she's planning to lock somebody in a room with no food. That's all. <laughs> and she's going to hold his pills just out of reach. Reach for it, John. All right. Uh, We should take a break. We'll come back after this. If you're on hold, hang tight. Uh, I see some uh, uh, calls here. We'll get to those. Dick Giuliano around the corner. Uh, The Oregon Bus Project, trigger vote, Tim Riley and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill CNM Radio Correspondents. Dick Giuliano hello, sir. How are you today?
6: Hey, I'm doing great, Rick. Back from the vo- the road after a little election traveling this week.
4: So this is it's, it's funny that they're referring to. Th- there's a there's a, a slug here, as they call it on the CNN prep sheet. they just talking about battleground Virginia, Virginia being the the battleground state. And every time, I mean, it, it seems like every state in the country right now is a battleground state because they talk about Ohio and Florida and uh, Pennsylvania, right. and now Virginia too. And Virginia, uh, I mean, has been or, or 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 was considered to be a red state. I mean, almost for a long time now.
6: Exactly. And it's the third state I was in this week. I started out in another traditional red state that is leaning toward Barack Obama, and that is Colorado. I was there at the beginning of the week. In the middle of the week, I was in St. Louis, Missouri, a second battleground state, and uh, finished the week in Virginia. As for Virginia, you're right. Traditionally red, but Barack Obama is eight points ahead. What do we mean by traditionally red? Red. Rick, Virginia has not voted for a Democratic president in 44 years. Mm. The last time they voted for a Democrat was Lyndon Johnson in the 1964
4: landslide. So this is, and also in Colorado, which I think according to John King's magic map, uh, they are saying now is, uh, as they put it, Advantage Obama. Yes. And is this... uh, I, I mean, leaving apart, uh, leaving aside issues of ideology, a lot of this also is just the ground operation that the Obama campaign has. Right? I mean, they're... oh,
6: you you're hitting the nail on the head. Uh, in all three states, I came away after talking with uh, local political activists and election officials. None, nobody that I spoke with in any of these three states had ever seen the likes of the um, the election operation being run by the Barack Obama campaign. For example, in Virginia. Fifty-five zero statewide offices, 250 paid staff members. That is really huge. Same story in Missouri, 44 statewide offices, a couple of hundred uh, paid staffers. This does not count volunteers uh, outspending uh, Republican, John McCain, uh, an estimated 4-1 to one in these
4: states. It's unbelievable. And I read something the other day, I don't know if this is true or not, but they said that in terms of fundraising, they said that, in effect, the Obama campaign has raised a million dollars a day for every day since he declared.
6: It's it's really mind boggling. Uh, he is absolutely loaded with cash. That's why he was able to run those three infomercials at a million dollars a pop on Wednesday night. Five million to produce uh, the piece itself, uh, and the thing is. I believe it kind of sets the bar higher uh, for the next election cycle. Usually when you see this sort of thing, it, it happens, uh, it repeats uh, in the future. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's likely where things are headed.
4: And it, it seems to me that uh, going into Tuesday, I mean, the McCain campaign, they really, you know, there's that phrase, run the table. But, I mean, they've got to be pretty flawless from, from now to Tuesday, and on Tuesday they have to... They have to get everything they're supposed to get and then a whole lot more.
6: You know, it was helpful for me to get outside the beltway and talk to some of the voters. And one of the impressions I came away with, especially in Colorado, uh, but Missouri too, not so much in Virginia, but are the Republicans Voting for Barack Obama. Yeah,
7: right.
6: uh, you know, I had a guy in Missouri, in St. Louis say to me the other day, listen, I won't talk to you on the radio, he says, because my uncle is a state Republican Party official, <laughs> but I'm voting for Barack Obama. Oh, wow. Oh. And uh, same story in Colorado, uh, neighborhoods uh, that are were predominantly Republican for years. Lots of uh, Obama Biden
4: signs. All right then. Well, my friend, as always, a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend. Thank and, you, Rick. Uh, We are looking forward to next Tuesday. Talk to you soon, sir. See you. There you go. the Radio Correspondent Dick Giuliano. All right. That's wonderful. Okay, uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. I'm going to do a few calls here, and then uh, Richard, are we uh, obtaining? It's one of those things where you see the guy's name in the page and you know how to pronounce it. Aronson? How would you pronounce his last name? Oh, A- I'm not good at these. I'm just saying, in your opinion, his last name is A-R-O-N-S-O-N. Aronson. Aronson. I'm going to say that. Say. Okay, here's the thing. Go on, oh, I'm, no, I and mean then you're going to blame it on me. No, no, no. I'm going to say that, and I'm going to see if, he, if it's wrong. We'll see if he corrects me. Uh, hi. Or if he does that awkward thing of just going, no, 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 that's, no that's right. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir.
8: Hey, Rick. Uh, just three quick, extremely random things. Uh, number one, about the top five list yesterday, yes. I was very surprised Blue Oyster Colt didn't make it. From... Oh, God, it was just the horror, most horrible, cheesy, like, sea horror movie. They took over, like, a radio station oh, or a television station. You're or... talking
4: about the movie Bad Channels.
8: Oh, God, yeah. No, it was absolutely horrible, but they were uh, they made the movie. It was hilarious. Yeah, the it movie
4: was... was called Bad Channels, and the soundtrack yeah. was Blue Oyster Cold, and it was put out by – here's the thing about that movie. The movie Bad Channels and the accompanying soundtrack featuring original music by Blue Oyster Cold was put out – by Full Moon Entertainment, who were also, I do—I believe they were also the folks that put out the Puppet Master series, and we actually had the guy who runs that whole operation in the studio a couple months back, because he was doing a big horror extravaganza. I'd totally forgotten that movie even existed until just now.
8: Oh, uh, no, it was just absolutely horrible. Oh, um, number two, um, I bought a pack of gum and saw the nutritional information on the back. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you get that? Like, usually when you get nutritional stuff out of food, it's because you're eating it, but you're supposed to spit gum
4: out. Well, first of all, why were you reading the nutritional information? I mean, were you bored? You forgot your copy copy of Field and Stream?
8: I had gotten off of work yesterday. It had been a long day of work. You can probably guess what I was up to in the afternoon. And after doing that, I grabbed a pack of gum. I don't know. So i it's just a random thought. And third and finally, um, a friend of mine uh, works a camera truck for one of your fine affiliates in uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, I text messaged him last night. I was trying to get a hold of him. He fired back at me, and he said, let me call you after I'm done. I'm shooting on location. He called me back, and he said, uh, yeah, I just got done shooting at the uh, Atlanta airport some and he used a different word for it, but some guy from Oregon didn't secure his cheetah, and it was loose in the cargo area of the plane.
4: That is unbelievably cool. Really?
8: Yeah. I asked him. I when he finally called me back, I said, "Oh my God, did you get to see the cheetah?" And he's like, "No." So like we were just filming outside the plane, and he said, "Hey, I gotta go. Double homicide," and then hung up the phone. Yeah, but I
4: mean, in related news, apparently you're allowed to ship a cheetah on an airplane.
8: Uh, yes, and apparently it doesn't have to be all that. Oh nice.
4: wow! That, so you can just like sort of just sort of spool it up with some twine and stick it in the belly of the plane and hope that everything goes right.
8: Uh, apparently, um, here's my question: Does the FAA have regulation? Like, is there something in the handbook that says, all right, when there's a cheetah loose on the plane, you do this? I mean, did they land at Atlanta because that was their destination, or were they headed somewhere else? I don't I mean, know
4: i got to tell you, I'm terrified by all kinds of things in nature. Uh, octopi, for example, also oh, extremely. spiders, also uh, really sea creatures of any variety. But i got to tell you, I'm not really, uh, y- you know, you hear about people who have run-ins with sort of like coyotes or wolves or whatever. Those don't unnerv me nearly as much as sort of big cats. Uh, like, in other words, cheetahs, panthers, leopards, things like that. They, they just, they, they terrify me to my very core for some time. Let me just a real quick story, then we've then we got to roll here. I was watching that When Animals Attack show when it first came on the air, and I'm a big fan of like when when anything does anything, like when anything when when nouns harm in any way. I love yeah. those shows. When uh, When Animals Attack first came on, the, the very first episode and it just traumatized me. Very first episode I saw was some jackass, and he's out wherever on the plains of blah 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 someplace, wherever it is that like uh, the, 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 the like panthers or cougars or whatever it was live. He's there and he's filming and it's like him on the back of some flatbed truck and his moronic friend is driving. And I think it was a, I think it was a, uh, um, a uh, uh, a tiger. And he sees the tiger walking along with the tiger, with the cubs. And he's like, hey, Chester, why don't we get closer so I can get me, get me some filming done. And they get closer and the tiger does that thing of like turning its head ever so slightly sideways and doing a small growl, which is clearly the... Look, you go your way, and I'll go mine, and I won't have to kill you. And the guy doesn't move, and so he gets closer and closer, and I'm watching this on the TV at you am know, just going, Oh Jesus, for the love of God! And he starts getting, and the truck finally hits a pothole or like a you know a divot in in the ground, makes a really loud crashing noise, and the two the uh, the tiger finally decides like that's it, I've had enough. The tiger turns, and does this scream this yowl and leaps directly at the camera guy and oh, yeah. at that point the truck is already pulling away but you see that tiger jump what seemed to be about 50 feet in one bound and roaring and they did a freeze frame later on on the tiger just r- lunging i can tell you man, that's uh, not enough new underwear in the world after yeah. that i mean it's the worst thing i've ever seen yeah that'll
8: scare the life out of
4: you indeed all right well, thank you sir at- looking
8: forward to the party on tuesday bringing uh bringing three or four people up from uh or bringing three or four people down from longview so uh we will be headed your direction tuesday right. evening
4: we'll see you then sir thank you
8: thank you All uh, right, there you go
4: speaking of tuesday and elections and the democratic process and the cornerstone of democracy and you know change and stuff Let's now welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson Show from the Oregon uh, Bus Project, Alex Aronson. Hello, sir. Hello there, Rick. How you doing? Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? That's don't, perfect. Don't, don't be. Right. You, yeah, you don't have to be afraid to correct me.
7: I no, no. you got it perfect. All right, excellent.
4: Um, all right, so uh, Oregon Bus Project. Here's a uh, here's a dumb question. Uh, what does that name come from?
7: It actually comes from the from the fact that we have a bus. Uh, we have, we have two buses actually. We got our second bus this year, and uh, what we do with the bus, we load it up with volunteers, and we drive it to swing districts across the state. Knocking on doors for candidates that line up with our core values. Excellent. Yeah.
4: Uh, all right, so you guys are doing it's, it, what it's called. It's, this is Trick or Vote. Trick, trick
7: or... or Vote is our signature event. It's the biggest one we do every year.
4: Let me ask you this. I'm just going to read this right off the page here. It says, Trick or Vote, a massive nonpartisan costume to get out the vote canvas that happens on Halloween. And then it says, Volunteers, a thousand of them. Uh, now, are these people going to be, are they going to be, these will be in costume. So it says,
7: they, they will be decked out
1: in
4: costume. The Portland event expects 1,000 volunteers to be knocking on 30,000 young people's doors. you think it's going to unnerve people ever so slightly? There's like a 1,000 young people in costumes roaming the street, randomly knocking on the door for what hopefully, seems to be no readily apparent reason.
7: You know, hopefully it will unnerve them a little bit, but in, in a positive way. I mean, we, we certainly do expect a little bit of surprise at the doorstep when somebody opens the door and they don't see, you know, a four-foot-tall seven-year-old, they'll see a six-foot-tall 25-year-old in costume talking about the election, hopefully. That will um, cause a little bit of a pleasant surprise.
4: Let me ask you, let me ask you this. Uh, we were talking about this the other day, about the 2004 election where they had really, well, in this case, John Kerry, really banked on the so-called young people's vote to put him in office. And that worked out badly for him. And I remember watching CNN. And I can remember this like it was yesterday. CNN, uh, CNN television's brother John King showing the popular vote, the electoral vote, and then obviously the big check mark next to George W. Bush's name, you know, when he won. And he was talking to, I think, Anderson Cooper, and he said, Anderson, the, Ca- the Kerry campaign was counting on the young people, the college vote, the vote of the under-29 demographic to get out to the polls and uh, push John Kerry over the top, and Anderson, it simply did not happen. And uh, somebody else from CNN told me that they have never, ever, ever, had a vote of the youth demographic, which is 18 to 29, above 17 percent ever. It's never been above 17 percent. So my question to you is, if George W. Bush, uh, facing the prospect of a second term, couldn't get young people out to vote, I mean, John McCain is no George W. Bush. So if people couldn't be bothered to go out and vote against George W. Bush in this case, I mean, I mean, is there, is it unreasonable to say that they might just sit this one out as well?
7: I don't think that's actually a fair expectation. I think, you know, every year the young people, um, get hyped up a lot about how they're going to turn out. And, and as you've noted, you know, oftentimes when, um, the candidates that they're aligned with generally lose, they get blamed for it. But I think this year actually is a little bit different. And we've seen it, um, you know, in the primaries, we saw unprecedented voter registration and participation across the country. And so I think we're, we're looking to see another year. And, you know, I think if, if Barack Obama loses, and if young people don't turn out, again, the young people will certainly get the blame. But on, on the flip side of that coin, I think if Barack Obama wins, it will largely be young people that carry him there. So I think, you know, there's, there's two sides to the coin. Um, but what we're, what we're really seeing is a, a, a resurgence of young, of young interest in politics. We've seen two consecutive elections with young people turning out um, increasingly compared to the previous elections. And this year, here in Oregon alone, we've had 100,000 young people register to vote. Uh, which is an insane increase in the size of this youth electorate. And by, by all accounts, they're planning on voting.
4: So I know you guys are still looking uh, for volunteers for the trick-or-vote thing, and so uh, if people are interested in taking part of that, uh, getting all garbed up and going and, you know, go to encourage people to vote, uh, how do they contact you guys?
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we can't, I think one of the big important things is that we can't just uh, you know, rest on our laurels having registered all these young voters and expect them to vote. I think it's really important for us to be knocking on doors, reminding people to vote. All of the studies show that the most effective way to get people to vote before an election is to actually go have a conversation with them, knock on their door, have a personal Conversation. Let them know why you think it's important for folks to be voting. And you know, we're providing this great opportunity tonight to do that in a really fun, creative way. Put a costume on. Don't put a costume on. It's going to be a great atmosphere. A thousand people um, working together to really improve democracy here in Oregon.
4: So, if people. So, what is the website for this? If people want to uh, want to be part of this,
7: the best way to sign up right now for the Oregon event is uh, through BusProject.org/trickorvote. You can also go to TrickOrVote.org. And this has actually grown into a big national program. We did it here in Oregon in 2004 Had 850 canvassers here in Portland, and it was the biggest canvass in the history of the state of Oregon. And now we're in over 40 cities nationwide. We've got 50 college campuses and dozens and dozens of great organizations participating. So.
4: All right. And just so you know, I'm already preemptively – If things just seem to go all, you know, wonky next Tuesday. I am preemptively blaming the left-handed and people with webbed toes. <laughs> Just so you know. All right. Alex Aronson, uh, the bus project, uh, busproject.org and trickervote.org. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. Alex Aronson from the Oregon Bus Project. Bam. And I pronounced his name correctly. You sure did. I rule. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey,
6: Rick.
1: What do you got?
9: Don't you think that uh, the way to push Barack Obama through to that uh, greatness would be to have him record the Bill Pullman speech from Independence Day?
4: Wait, I'm so, I'm so back up and say that again?
9: Well, you were saying the way to, you know, push, push Barack Obama through to greatness, you know, have to work through the corn.
4: Oh, know, oh, okay, you're saying in terms of the, because I was grading him on a scale of, you know, bad, good, moderately interesting, great, corny, awful, cringe-inducing, brilliant. You're saying the Bill Pullman speech is what pushes him over the top. I think so. Oh, man. I wish I could find... Oh, see, now we need to find somebody who can do a really good Bill Pullman impression, or a rather, a really good Barack Obama impression, and then you no, have no. them do...
5: <gasps> the Bill Pullman speech? As Barack Obama.
1: Dude,
4: no, what, no. Is, what is...
9: It's, no, this is what you do. This is your project for the weekend. You find every sound clip with Barack Obama, take every word that he says in that speech, match it up, boom, you've got instant uh, credibility and, and greatness.
4: Okay, no, that's uh, that's fantastic. That's genius. All right, um, hey, uh, that is a really, really good idea, sir. Would you be interested in a pair of tickets to see The Exorcist on the big screen?
9: Oh, man, you know, I live down the gorge. That would be wonderful, but uh, I don't think I, could, I can make it. That would be wonderful. Well, this is else. actually
4: the best of all possible worlds, then. I actually get to give the tickets to somebody else, but I look like a good guy for offering it to you, but I don't really ever have to follow through. I take the Hulk DVD. <laughs> uh, all right, then. Hey, uh, Richie, hold on. Hey, Richie, do we have a Hulk DVD still for today? Yeah. All right, well, we're going to give it to this guy. Thank you. All right, there you go. Okay, Richie, you thank you, sir. All right, there you go. There's that guy. All right, it's 503 uh, 733 We'll break here. We'll come back if you're on hold. Uh, hang tight. More of your phone calls around the corner. We'll try to get to uh, all calls within 10 minutes today. Richie, uh, Bristol. What would, uh, okay, so I'm sorry. I was merging like three different thoughts in my head. Richard Bristol will join us in the studio later on. Tim Riley will be up next from the Ministry of Truth. Aaron Duran in the two o'clock hour, and uh, more of this next day. There's the Rick Emerson show. Don't go anywhere. Isn't a fungus?
5: That corn.
4: Why you just said corn was a fungus? No
5: corn. Isn't that corn stuff? Oh, corn, oh, corn is you. a fungus. Yeah, that is yeah. true. No, I didn't say the corn is a fungus. I was
4: just gonna say that's just weird. <laughs> I-, I love that fungus every Thanksgiving. Mmm. Corn is good fungus. Fungus. Fungi. Fun- I have no. I have no porn. uh, porn. I have no pun <laughs> with corn. With corn. Let's quit talking. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. I have no qualms with corn. Corn is one of those things. First of all, why do they call it corn? Because don't get me make wrong, any sense. it doesn't make any sense. And uh, to be very clear about this. I love that product. Corn is really a great food. Uh, it is a sort of. A, it is one step beyond tofurkey. Corn is sort of a. Uh, is a vegan turkey product. But why is it called corn? Does anybody know? Because it's difficult to say. Mm-hmm. And then you have confusion. Like it is now when Sarah goes, corn is made out of fungus, or but it turns out she's a corn. Corn is one of those things that it, it seems like a counterintuitive name for that substance. It seems like you would call it something else, some name that made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But they don't. That is true. Okay. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's
10: time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry
4: of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A transient has been charged with encouraging child sex abuse and has been banned from the Lake Oswego Public Library. They caught 25-year-old Abraham Ross viewing child pornography on a public library computer. Librarians call Lake Oswego police to report the man's behavior. They watched him access and view child pornography and arrested him. He is now homeless and remains in Clackamas County Jail, where he belongs. Police and state investigators have search warrants at four locations of Ono Link. The four sites were served yesterday and were all connected with the Gresham Auto dealership. Police investigators and DMV moved in on four locations after receiving 25 complaints against Autolink from consignment sellers. They told authorities after their vehicles were sold, they never received any money. Please say if you've been a victim, call the Oregon DMV or your local police. And let's be honest. If you live in Gresham, the odds are about one and two you've been a victim of something, or the perpetrator of something, or quite possibly both. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
3: Hi, Rick. Hey. Uh, I had a question, but at first I was wondering if you... I didn't know yesterday if you talked about that article in Portland about the Republicans in the city. No. Oh, you got to look at it. They were talking about how hard it's to be a Republican in Portland, and they showed... The night that uh, McCain gave his acceptance speech, mm-hmm. and they had about eight Republicans watching it at Chuck E. Cheese with a television set up on the stage next to Boozy the Bear and such. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, but I was calling to find out, uh, why doesn't ACDC have a greatest hits album?
4: Uh well they uh, well I don't know that's a good question actually especially because record companies just tend to whore oh, everything yeah. for, for every nickel they can the closest thing I think AC/DC has ever had to a greatest hits album is the Who Made Who record which we were actually playing as part of the uh, you know the top five songs from a horror film right. Who Made Who actually has you know some of their best known songs and then some original tracks as well for a long time they didn't have a live album really to speak of they put out one in the Bon Scott era but for a long time. They they said they weren't ever going to put out a live a live record and then they did after the Razor's Edge tour which would have made it like 92 or something like that but that's actually a really good question I don't know the answer they have a bunch of DVD compilations and uh, you know stuff that they put out on video but I I cannot answer that sir
3: I guess there's no answer if you don't no, know that. it
4: is unanswerable
3: one other thing I don't know if Tim's going to do this but there's a great uh, article I read this morning about a bowler in Michigan yes I have that story oh, I won't I will say no more then
4: all right, all right hey all right, before bye. you go sir Hello? Yes? Yeah, before you go, what is your favorite ACDC recording?
3: My uh probably Back in Black. I mean, that was like the first one I remember from...
4: Okay. And he just quit talking. (laughs) He gave up. His heart gave out, Tim. All right, here's Tim Riley. A third-grade student at Wismer Elementary School in Beaverton saw her lunch tray dumped into the garbage by a school worker... The child's lunch account had no money in it at the time, and according to school policy, she was giving a sandwich and milk. Beaverton School District officials say their policy states, after three charges to a negative lunch account and a reminder to parents to pay, the student regular lunch will be dumped. Why, that's horrible. Well, now, see, uh, now, we, um, now we know someone who, uh, who, has, uh, who has a student there. Okay. Okay. Um, so so a spokeswoman says, going forward, the school will no longer take trays away at lunchtime, but instead notify the teacher in the morning if a child's account is overdrawn. So here, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Any child in this situation will always be given an emergency lunch. But here's the situation as I understand it. And okay. I might be wrong about this. Nice. So any errors are those of the speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I may be incorrect, but we know someone who has a student at that school. And apparently, and things have changed a lot since I went to school and probably maybe even since Sarah went to school. Uh, you know, when I was when I was a boy, when you go to school, you you know you get in line and you get your uh, incredibly unhealthy school lunch, and then you fork over a buck twenty-five, and then you know then you walk out. Uh, and by the way, when I say incredibly unhealthy, I mean it what really the, the typical the thing that they had most often. I mean the default setting in my school cafeteria was a cheeseburger. And some really, really unhealthily deep-fried French fries. And that was it. And then, like, I think it's jelly. No, the French
5: fries don't even have any substance because they've been deep-fried so much. It's just a crispy, like, outer shell. With
4: nothing inside. With nothing inside. It was a lot like like the fries are at my father's place quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, where it really is just the outer. It is just, it's like, um, it's just like um, like an empty French fry shell that is then meant to be filled with something but never has been. So we would have that. But I guess the deal at this school is that it is a prepaid account. It's like a debit account where the parents, every like three months, the parents stick in money. And so it goes into this account. And then when the kid goes to get their lunch, they have a little debit card that is just for the lunch. They give it to the people. Bing, bing, bing. And it deducts money from the account. And And then when the account runs out, the parent puts more money in. So the parent prepays a lunch debit account. And I guess the deal is... When it gets to within, like, three lunches left, they tell the parent. Mm -hmm. And then once it runs out, if you still haven't refilled it, the parents uh, or the the school actually give the kid three lunches. They will comp them three. But after that, there's a cutoff. The emergency lunch, and this ties into yesterday's program, the emergency lunch is, wait for it, peanut butter, which I guess, uh, from what I've heard, the student was allergic to so the kids are like, I want lunch, and they go, Your mom isn't paid. Oh, I gotta eat, and they said, Have a peanut butter sandwich. You don't kill me. So it was like a whole comedy of errors. So uh, anyway, so there you go. That that is apparently the uh, the deal with that. Imagine that. So that's uh, third grade. When I was th- in third grade, we walked home for lunch. Did you? And our you know Betty Draper moms <laughs> had it ready for us with it with the crust cut off. Tim. Uh huh. I don't think they would. I don't think they let kids walk home. I don't think they let kids leave campus at all. Yeah, probably not anymore. I mean, even you know, and I, I went to school. I mean, I graduated in '91. So that Jesus has that been 17 years? Oh uh, yes, yeah, wow! It is that long ago. Good Christ!
5: I know. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, I was in high school 10 years ago.
4: Wow, I'm ancient. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're old. Thanks. I got oh. fired just 10 years ago. <laughs> Me too, actually. Um, we rule. <laughs> we do. <laughs> uh let's see uh, so Sarah, you graduated from high school when
5: in nineteen ninety eight
4: yeah boy, I had just been fired when you graduated. I <laughs> was fired too uh. we're always in on the play at the same time, even though we have nothing to do with each other most of the time. It really is it's like we're all on the same karmic wheel turn somehow, mm-hmm. um but you know when I was in high school they would we we did quite frequently leave campus and we could I actually lived right near the high school. And so they would let us walk down the street or they would just let us leave. You know, they let us leave school for all kinds of crap now that I think about it. Pep Assembly, don't want to go to that. I'm going to hang out in front of the 7-Eleven. And I think probably post-Columbine, they just put up big, like, I think they just put up big gates and fences and walls and, like, you know, uh, and like, like electrical wire or something to keep students locked up all day long. Yeah,
5: we'd leave all the time.
4: Yeah. All right. We, we, had, had, Betty, a pli- we had a police lady who stopped cars so we could cross the street. <laughs> To ensure that the students could leave school whenever they they chose. I was told not to talk to her because she was divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's wonderful. You know, she's a harlot. You know, she has men over to her house sometimes. I'm sorry, people in your neighborhood probably didn't talk that way. No, they didn't talk that way. (laughs) You know, she has gentlemen callers to her house. That's more like it. Timothy, I don't want you spending any time with that woman. She's a hussy and a jezebel. Uh, Here's Tim Riley. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, it's a Friday and we've all gotten nutty. <laughs> that was very real. Really? Yes, it was. It. You made some good choices <laughs> there. They, they, they were fairly accurate. It just brought me back to another time. I didn't mean to freak you out or anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, police and fire personnel pulled a guy out of the Columbia River today. Apparently he drove off Northeast Marine Drive. Uh, a crew in a freight, freight train pra- passing over a railroad bridge saw headlights in the water. Oh. And decided it would be oh. wise to call 911. So this was what bridge? Uh, let's see here. This North Marine Drive. They saw what time of day? It is? Is was this early this morning? Thing. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. They saw headlights in the river and called oh. 911. Oh, oh, that, oh They that's arrived at the scene and saw the car still running despite the impact. The driver was still alert and talking. Okay. Well, thank God for that, I he suppose. He only has minor injuries. Not sure how long the car was in the water. I think the man may have been driving too fast. On North Portland Road, crossed a Marine Drive, went up the steep embankment that ends up in the river. Now, why was he still in the car, though? I mean, was it... In other words, did they spot the car right immediately after the accident, or had he been in the river for some time? They say they don't know how long he was in there. I wonder if he was disoriented, maybe. Because you figure eventually you say, screw this, I'm going to get out. Hmm. He couldn't have been very deep, though, at least, because... I I mean, otherwise, you know, the car, he would have drowned if he'd been... Maybe he was trying to eject a CD or something. Perhaps... Is he shoving a matchbook underneath his cassette? All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about these little rascals in Vancouver, shall we? Two boys threw rocks over a pedestrian overpass in Vancouver, and just there like a hit a deputy's car. Oh, excellent. And one of the boys told the investigators they were doing it because it's boring in Vancouver. Well, that's certainly true. And they planned to throw a clothes dryer off the overpass. <laughs> Of all the things in the world, <laughs> what made sense to them? what are they settled on that? I this is if, Vancouver. I wonder if they went through a whole list of other things. You know, mm. uh, let's see: uh, unplugged jacuzzi, uh, honey bucket, uh, that weird uh, Volkswagen that sits on top of the car wash for no reason. Wait, no, no, no. Clothes dryer. And how are they going to get the dro- clothes dryer to the overpass in the first? That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm, it is. Can't you just see these idiot kids trying to tow a clothes dryer up to the overpass and thinking no one will notice it? Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So the preliminary investigation shows that several rocks were thrown from the overpass. One of them was taking the hood of a patrol car and bouncing onto the windshield, breaking it. The deputy said he didn't see anything at the time, but he heard the impact. A similar incident happened around 2 a.m. Thursday when a tire and wheel were thrown from the overpass striking a vehicle. These kids think this is funny. It is not. I wonder if they're going to uh, get what's a coming. A clothes dryer. All right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show.
6: Hello, uh, Rick Saratin. Hey. Uh, ACDC does have a box set. They do have a greatest hit.
4: What is the box set?
6: Bonfire.
4: Well, bonfire, is that's just stuff from the Bon Scott era, is it not?
9: Well, I mean, that
1: is their greatest hit.
4: Well, well, oh, now. Now, look, there's no need to be divisive, sir. Uh, no, I actually have the Bonfire. Here's here's what a nerd I am, although it sounds like you're one as well. I have that Bonfire box set, uh, which is especially great because it comes with a, with a, with a temporary tattoo, uh, as well as three stickers, and I do believe an ACDC, like, medallion pendant thing that I don't wear.
7: Oh, why not? Well, because I... Get a backpack and put it on or
9: something.
4: <sighs> I suppose. Maybe I'll go back to writing Zoso on my knuckles. Down now. All right. Well, yeah. No. So they do have that. Uh, they've never done sort of a career-spanning retrospective. Although the the rumor is they haven't actually said this. Uh, but the rumor is they're touring for this uh, new CD, Black Ice. And I guess when this tour is done, I mean, supposedly it's the last tour. I guess it's going to be a, a farewell or a goodbye or whatever. At By which chair. point, it, maybe. And, you know. And it, but it, we, I mean, Jesus, so you got I mean, that new Black Ice CD is not bad. I mean, it's you know obviously people look back at some of the stuff like Highway to Hell or Back in Black or whatever. Black Ice is not bad. It's, and you gotta really give it up to, to those guys, especially Brian Johnson, who's 62. That guy's 62 years of age and still just is uh, screaming it out. So, but as soon as they hang it up, the record company will undoubtedly begin the great whore. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Warm ale will keep you keep you alive, I guess.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes, it will, sir. Warm ale and Satan. All right. Thank you. All right. Here's Tim Riley. At the University of Washington in Seattle, they have a place called Red Square. Makes you wonder what kind of college this really is. Well, there was a complaint at Red Square yesterday of a big flame and a ball of fire. It turned out to be a 61-year-old former University of Washington staff member who doused himself with gasoline, set himself on fire in the midst of a crowded campus plaza. The man, whose identity is not known, died shortly after being brought to Harborview Medical Center. They don't know why he did it. Adding the man suffered second and third degree burns, it's a big mystery. The man had been part of the university's support staff. They didn't know (laughs) that's comforting. That is, isn't it? I don't know, I'm really just depressed and I'm feeling morose. What should I do? Well, my advice is to set yourself on fire. So a bunch of students walked by and claimed earlier they saw a guy pouring gasoline on himself. (laughs) One onlooker ran toward the man in an apparent attempt to stop him, but slipped on the gas and could not reach him. I love the idea, though, of some students walking by and just seeing that. What's that guy guy pouring gas on himself? So he then lit a match and all of a sudden he burst into a ball of flames. And then he dropped to the ground and rolled. I turned into a burning ring of fire. They tried to smother the flames with jacket shirts and clothing. A few ran to get fire extinguishers, but it was too late. Maybe they thought it was some sort of performance art or something. That could be. That is today's uh, you know that is that is today's engaged and active college student right there, uh, hoping their vote can't be bothered to stop a guy from setting himself on fire. It is known that no campus demonstrations had been planned. He failed to obtain the proper permits. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
10: Hey, Rick. This is David, Lake Oswego. Hello, sir. I had a question or actually, can I get to comment about that story Tim read about the transient going into the Lake Oswego Library and looking at pornography and things? Well,
4: apparently, mm-hmm. no, the story was, I get what, he was looking at kitty porn or something, and so they busted yeah. him, and now he's in a hole somewhere, yeah. Clackamas coming. Clackamas well,
10: coming. My understanding was when I moved to Lake Oswego that I wouldn't be having to deal with transients doing untoward things in my community.
4: Well, I think, by definition, the word transient means that one can never be sure where they might turn up. The only place we know they're not is Tim's neighborhood, because he won't allow it, sir. I'm safe nowhere. No, it's true. The, the homeless will. They'll come find you. If you don't thank give them a dollar downtown, they will seek you out of the library. Thank you, Rick. All right, thank you. Trying to make your days a little more unnerved. Sir. Well, it makes you wonder what kind of people in general would not be using a computer in the library. And why they're not using it at home? Well, I think I told you that the uh, I don't go to the uh, I don't go to the downtown library as nearly as often as, as I go to the one in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the downtown library is great. I just uh, usually you know you can do that thing if you've had the books mailed to you, or you know you can just have them on hold and then you go pick them up. But the last time I was at the downtown library, I forget why I was there. Maybe it's some book that I didn't want to wait to have it transferred, so I went down to pick it up. I think it might have been that first Dexter book. Um, anyway, so I go down to the library, and you know there's that whole. I mean there's all of the. Um, you know the the, the the computers they use for the what we used to call the card catalog. You know, it's just the, the Dewey you know. Decimal System. Exactly. Is there a there must have been yeah. a guy named Dewey. Yeah. It's and somebody. he's famous now. Everyone uses his decimal system even to this day. Do they still use the yes. Dewey Decimal System? Yes, they do. Because I got a good talking to when I presented a librarian with a number, and she told me specifically this is not the Dewey Decimal System. Go back and get the correct number. How did you have the? How did you get a wrong number though? Like what number I, did you give her? Well, I went online. Look looking for a specific book, and instead of jotting down the Dewey Decimal System number, there was another number near it, Oh, which was, like, I guess is a scan number. Or like the ISBN number. So something. I wrote it, right. Yeah. I think that's what it was. So I presented to the librarian saying, where may I find this book? That is not the Dewey Decimal number. <laughs> Did she say it with that pinched uh, know-it-all tone that only librarians mm-hmm. can really get right? Sir, this is not a Dewey Decimal number. I'm afraid you're just going to have to go back to the card catalog and find the I can't help you, sir. That's I... exactly what happened. Yeah, and you know, what does ISBN stand for? You see that in the front of every book. ISBN, ISBN number. You know, in every single book, you open it up and there is an ISBN number on the front. I don't know what that stands for. <laughs> is that the Library of Congress? Maybe. You know, the Library of Congress gets two copies of every single book that is copyrighted in Imagine the United that. States. Um, let me back up. Ba 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 bah, 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 And then I got some things to say about books. But yeah. the library downtown. So I go there and I'm. Um, they have the computers that are used to find books. And then there's a whole row of Internet computers. And... Literally, the first guy that I saw, and I wasn't trying to spy on people, but, you know, you walk by and there's a moving object and you sort of look and see what's that. Uh, literally, the first guy, with his screen, because they're not, like, in booths or covered or anything. I mean, they're just sitting out in the open. I mean, they're just at a table in the middle of the room. There's no shielding of anything. And they don't have those funky screens where if you get off to the, like, those screens at the pharmacy or whatever, you get up to the side and they blur. Mm-hmm. You can see these from anywhere. First guy I saw watching just some full-on lesbian porn right there on the screen. Like, making no attempt to hide it. And I don't think he was homeless either. I think he was just a guy who felt like watching some lesbian porn. So he's just sitting there at the screen, just or you know, just whoop, just watching, uh, you know, Debbie Does Debbie or whatever that film is, uh, right? There, just sitting there, just watching it right there. Um, so I, I think that lots of people go to the library to watch pornography. That would be my guess. Also, this two things. Do you ever wonder if there have been sort of upstart competitors to the Dewey Decimal System? that were just sort of cut down, like they're always sort of were pretenders to the Johnny Carson throne Mm -hmm. or how the metric system keeps trying to take over in America, but America dude, I don't want a truck with no metric system, and so we just keep using standard measurement for everything. I wonder if occasionally some guy comes up with a new better system to replace the Dewey Decimal System and then he is just smacked down by librarians all at once. They just don't they won't have it. Final question about this. When you go to the library, do you sometimes note that Maybe if you go to the same section more than once, like maybe if you get a book on cooking and then you read it, you return it, and then you go back and you get another book on cooking a few weeks later. All those books are still together, but they've all been moved slightly because the inventory has expanded. Do you ever wonder what poor sap has to go through and move every book in the library down by two slots and then move every other book down by two slots? I mean, sitting there, it must take days just moving all of the books down six inches so you can add a new encyclopedia. And the rows are also a dumping ground for old VHS tapes on that same topic. Boy, that is really true. And you wonder who rent those it's like getting those books on tape that are still mm-hmm. there. What is this? You know? A look at the Praying Mantis, an audio book in nine parts, narrated by you know, by by Peter Coyote. And you're wondering what who rents who is getting a book on a cassette at this point? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I mean, if, if you're that hard up, let's be honest, you've probably just stolen a DVD player or CD player by now. So, I mean, it, it just get one of those. Yeah, that's what they need to get rid of those. Uh, I feel that looking at the old faded VHS tapes and cassettes at the library makes me sad. It just, it really depresses me for some reason. I don't know why. I have boxes of them at home. Yeah. Any place I can store them. I don't know why. I just don't get rid of them. Uh, you know, I, I am slowly encoding all of my old VHS tapes onto DVD. I'm doing that. I got my VHS, uh, my my VCR set up at home, and I'm slowly taking all of my old VHS tapes, you know, uh, all of those things, whether they're audio recorded, I'm putting them all into digital form. Uh, oh, wait, we have a Beaverton School lunch thing, and then somebody is clarifying the IS, ISBN thing. Hello, sir. Hi. Yeah, like to,
6: it's the International Standard Book Number.
4: And so, now what does that do? What is the, in other words, what is the use of that?
6: You know, I really don't know. I think it. it It identifies that book as a unique, you know, this copyright, this book.
4: So that is a thing that is sort of maybe a challenge to the Dewey Decimal System. In other words...
6: I guess it would be in a way, but the Dewey Decimal System, though, is, you know...
4: That's by category, I guess.
6: Yeah. And I I mean, that's a better way to do it in a library.
4: All right. Fair enough. All right. Great. Thank you.
6: Yep. Have a great afternoon.
4: way. Thank you, sir. Do you ever wonder what happened to the old card catalog cards? Like, where do those go? I guess they all just been thrown away. Somebody should have rescued those as they were being thrown away and made an art project out of them. Also, on Craigslist the other day, mm-hmm. Laura and I found, you know what they were selling? Well, we almost bought it, but we realized we don't have any room for it, and it would take substantial carpentry to make it usable for something else. Somebody was selling. It was beautiful. Somebody was selling an old, um, I don't know what kind of wood it was, but it was obviously very high quality, an old wooden card catalog Oh, that's nice it was so beautiful and it had you know with all the little shelves mm-hmm. you know that looked like the kind you also keep like little uh, lab slides in mm-hmm. and it was massive it was like 10 across and 10 down it was 100 little drawers for card catalog and we thought okay can we possibly find any place for this and then what you would have to do though is you would have had to score out the inside and then join several of those together to make them regular size drawers if we had a big house and carpentry skills, I completely would have purchased that. Let's do one more here, and then we'll resume. Hi, you're... Now's the time to buy a big house. Hello. Is that true, Tim, yeah, in I any neighborhood so. in particular? Yes.
5: You know, I spent some time in the of St. John's yesterday. How was it? It was beautiful. I, I told it you. It is a beautiful, beautiful area.
4: I hear... It is the Beverly Hills of Portland. I hear that now is the time to get in on the ground floor, so to speak, of St. John's real estate. You'll never be able to afford it again. I understand uh, just my uh, just even my layman's knowledge. I understand that really if one was looking for a home yes. right now. Mm-hmm. St. John's would be the place to go. And you know, and I, of course, don't know a lot about real estate. So I would, of course, pick up the phone or maybe go online and contact uh, the realtor closest to me. Yeah. And, uh, and then pursue that housing. It's in a pre-gentrification uh, status. This is the time. If not now, when? If not, not you, who? Mm-hmm. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Moo. Did you say Moo?
9: No, hello. Oh,
4: hello. Hi.
9: Hi. This is John. Uh, I'm a Beaverton uh, parent. And uh, I thought you guys would like to know that, um, there's no way that a parent can't, well, there, there is, um, the parents can pay online now for the kids' menu, for right. their meals. Right. And last year, my kids, oh, they were always running out of money. And I was getting these notices, you know, they're going to get this emergency lunch. And so uh, this year, I could pay online. But I thought, you know, you guys probably remember when you are a kid, you know, having a kid steal your lunch money.
4: Oh, I totally had to carry the buck 25 every day, yeah.
9: So kids don't have to deal with that anymore.
4: Well, I suppose. Uh, the So the question is, as a parent, do you ever feel like, screw this, I'm just going to have to give my kid the emergency lunch every day. Why should I pay for it? Uh no. That's what I'd do. I would totally be like, you know what, they're they're not learning, they might as well be eating. <laughs> I mean that's just my outlook on it. Uh but yeah, so you pay so it's like a debit account, right? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, you yeah.
6: can
9: also check and see what they're eating too. You can monitor items Is that true? Eating.
4: Can you monitor well I guess you must then if it it's electronic you can actually go online and monitor what your kids are eating? Yes. Do your kids hate that?
9: I, my kids aren't old enough to hate it, but I'm sure, you know. Well, your time will too. come.
4: The, uh, can you, now let me ask you this. When you set up your kid's account at the school, so you get the debit account, and then again, your kid is drawn down. Can you set up parameters for what your kid is allowed to purchase?
9: Um, I haven't, I, I don't do that, but I believe that's coming.
4: All where right. they can't
9: get junk food, and boy, stuff like it sucks that.
4: to be a kid. I mean, now more than ever, this is the worst time to be a kid. I am so glad that I grew up in a different era. This, I mean, I'm not going to say the past is better in every way, but I, really, being a kid today is better in some ways. You know, uh, metal is better. You know, lots of you know, g- you know, girls are trashier. Whatever, that's good. But in things like this, I, uh, I am really glad that I missed this era. So, all right, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank right, you. There you go. Thank you. I wasn't talking about his girls, of course, if he has girls. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying in general. Here's Tim Riley. Of course, these teenagers are trying out a deadly new fad to get high. Wait. Fainting. No. Choking. No. Jenkum. No. Uh, punching each other in the face. No. Um, wait. No, no, no. Um, inhaling. Uh, um, uh, 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 I've got nothing. This involves a new drug called the patch. And it's being abused. What is the, the patch, like the the, the Richie quit smoking patch? I suppose so. Uh, let's see here. It contains something that causes a sudden death intoxication. A football hero recently died. This is uh, phenotol, It is a legitimate prescription drug used for severe and chronic pain. It comes in a patch that provides relief over a two- to three-day period. But street users often tear it open it and ingest a narcotic in a single dose... It can be deadly. And parents, this has a heroin-like effect. It's 100 to 150 times more powerful as morphine. It's the most powerful narcotic or pain medication on the planet right now. Wait, hold on. What's it called? I mean, not that I would ever... No, it's it's the most powerful narcotic on the planet? That's what it says. That's a bold statement. It really is. That can't possibly be true. uh... I was to understand that heroin was the unimpeachable king of narcotics. I have no personal interest in this. I just it has I'm a heroin like effect. I'm just a fan of uh, I'm just a fan of these stories. It has a heroin like effect. And it's the, it most is the most powerful narcotic or pain medication on the planet. Okay, how's right it, now? how's it spelled, please? Uh, the patch. T H E P A T C H. And the uh, the drug inside of it is spelled F E N T A N Y L. Wait hold on. F E N T A N Y L. That's correct. Fentanyl. Fentanyl? It is a legitimate prescription drug used for chronic and severe pain. It's the most powerful narcotic on the planet. Says a Longview drug counselor. I wonder if I can get some samples oh, of that.
5: drug counselors making it that definitive of a statement. Mm-hmm.
4: Seriously. No, I wonder if well, they'll, they'll give me, like... Do you ever go to the doctor and they're like, look, I'm gonna, Richard, I'm going to give you some samples and just, uh, you know, let me know how it works I out. I want the most powerful drugs on the planet, doctor. I want to go in and ask for the most powerful drug on planet Earth. Fentanyl. And if not, the most powerful drug on Mars. Okay, can we... Can we, um, powerful drug on Phobos. Uh, okay, but can I, can I just speak for everybody? Doesn't this kind of make you want to try it? No. I'm sorry. Sarah, doesn't this just kind of make you want to try it? It's the most powerful narcotic on the planet. Why Don't, would I want to try the most powerful narcotic on the planet? What happens if you jump through your plate glass window three stories up, flapping your arms like a bird? You know, you're not even going to feel it. That's the good part. <laughs>
5: You won't eat that. What you won't, that won't hurt at all. Would oh. you try the most powerful drug on the planet?
4: Absolutely. Please do it after election night coverage. Maybe I'll do it right as we're heading into Grand Central. That'd be great. I can't believe you would ask that. Why would I want to try the most powerful narcotic on the planet? Sarah, the answer is in the question. I mean, fentanyl. Why have I never heard about this? You're not a child. Well, well that's true. You need to be a teenager trying to get high. How would you even get this? I mean, it sounds like a thing they would prescribe or, you know, they would control pretty heavily. I know. All right, but you've I mean, God of the days when kids are just satisfied throwing uh dryers off of overpasses and the passing police cars <laughs> <laughs> the free the free spirited devil may care days of uh an hour ago mm-hmm. it, but, you know here's the other thing about this, just like um we had a, okay I hate, to, I hate to say this but we were talking to that guy from the Oregon bus project or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that alex guy, and I don't mean to sound discouraging it's just that. Uh, it, he was doing that thing of you know well Rick this year more than ever the youth are really gonna be involved and the thing is they say that every four years and it's never true maybe it'll be true this year but that is like how every year or every couple of years cops and teachers and parents will talk about I don't know I mean when I was uh, when I was a boy of course we uh, you know we used to play with zip guns and everything but the kids today are much more violent really we are seeing kids today. Who are much more violent and uh, sexualized at a younger age really it's not like what it was when we were kids, and it's like every 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 idiot generation claims that this new generation coming up is boy they're crazy these it's not like when we were kids, this new generation of kids they're they're completely nuts, and that 's never true either it's just crap that old people say so but this is sort of like that because don't you hear this all the time where every drug that comes out now has heroin like effects and it, that can't just be true, that morphine has heroin-like effects. They Vi- say that Oxy uh, OxyContin has heroin-like effects. No one else is claimed to be the most powerful narcotic or pain medication on the planet. I wonder if that's just a trademark thing, you know what Should I mean? Does it it's, say it on, on the label? I don't know. <laughs> the huge, huge, jolly letters with a big smiley face next to it. W- with a globe. They told me that Vicodin has heroin-like effects. And, I mean, I've never taken heroin. I've taken lots of Vicodin, though. And so well, I- maybe you can mix Vicodin with this uh, this patch. And see how that goes. Well, I wonder what I was going to do for Halloween, Tim. I don't have any plans. It sounds heard... like a horror show to me. Now I know.
5: I just heard from somebody who said that they knew someone who split a pill with somebody else. and This they is were a so... pill of this? A pill of the patch.
4: Of they... fentanyl?
5: Who cut one of those patches in half, split it with those... her boyfriend, and they were puking sick high. They are strong even when you cut them.
4: So he shared with someone else? That's socialism. That... <laughs> I keep my drugs for myself. They were vomiting? Well, that doesn't seem like a very pleasant drug. Maybe she should have taken the whole thing. Your body's trying to tell you something. The, Give me the whole thing next time. In, in the future, take the whole thing, because if you cut it in half, it's only half of the most powerful drug on the planet. So, well, maybe it's a half a planet. I, it's a smaller planet. It's more of a moon. Um, the uh, it's it's really the most powerful drug on an asteroid that's in some kind of an elliptical orbit. I was to understand that an arc- on a narcotic was soothing. If you're taking it, it's making you hurl. That's not soothing at all. Vicodin doesn't make you hurl. Neither does uh. Although I think Vicodin actually is not Oxycontin, but Vicodin is, in fact, Oxycodone, which is slightly different. Vicodin, here's the weird thing. You ever look at the ingredients on Vicodin, Tim? No, I've never taken it. Sarah, Vicodin?
5: No, I've never taken Vicodin.
4: Oh, it's fantastic. If you look at the ingredients on Vicodin, here's the weird thing about it. You look at it, you know what Vicodin is? It's Oxycodone and, wait for it, Tylenol, which is weird. You sort of think if you've got Oxycodone, which is that thing that is, again, kind, of, they say kind of like heroin, why do you need Tylenol? It, it, it's a little strange, right? They'd be like, you know, heroin, now with aspirin. I mean, it just doesn't, it seems like, you know. Yeah. That seems redundant, to say the least. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
11: Hi, this is Kristen.
4: Hello, hi. How are you today?
11: I'm good. Hey, I'm a nurse, and I'm familiar with fentanyl patches.
4: Uh, is it and, fantastic?
11: <laughs> no, not that familiar. No. But we, we use them often in the hospital. They're for people with chronic pain, and the problem is they are... Transdermal patches, so you put them on your skin that are supposed to be time released like over three days. Mm-hmm. So the danger when people cut them is the medicine dumps.
4: So you say the, the medicine what?
11: It dumps into your system. Oh,
4: all at it's once. It's
11: not time release. Yeah. So that
4: would be the uh, the is that where the vomiting comes from?
11: I would assume so. Yeah.
4: Now, can this if you just uh, chop up one of these patches, what do you, what do you do? Do you would you snip it or lick it or what do you do with it? I mean, not that, to, not that I'm trying to I'm trying to instruct people, but I'm saying you hear these people who take the patch and then you know they're like uh, taking it all at once. How do you do that?
11: I've known people that have cut them. You can apply something warm if if you warm it up, um, it absorbs quicker. Could I
4: brew um, it into I've a tea? Known,
11: I don't know. <laughs> well, I did know, I did have a patient once that did melt it and then injected it.
4: God, boy, drugs That's make you cool. dumb. Uh, and so, uh, what was my question? And blah 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 blah. But then if you but so if you're taking it as directed. Is it? It is just a very, a very powerful, uh, a very powerful narcotic and pain reliever. But then, if you're doing it all at once, it then apparently just empties out your stomach.
11: Well, sure, because the patch is usually met for up to three days. Mm. So if you're taking all that at once, you're getting
4: too much. Let me ask you this, uh, Kristen, based on just your uh, knowledge as a nurse, fentanyl, uh, most powerful narcotic on the planet.
11: I don't know. I mean, I. I know it would be one of the most powerful. fentanyl's often used even as an as an anesthesia, so that's probably why Interesting. they
4: say it's. Interesting. All right. Uh, what would you have to have to get one of these?
11: <laughs> a very good doctor's prescription. What if
4: I got like a real bad sprain? No. Oh, well, this all right.
11: is for like chronic, chronic pain, um, long term, right. cancer pain, back pain, that kind of thing.
4: All right then. Okay, I'm not at all filing this away. No. All right. Thank you, Kristen.
11: All
1: right, I need that.
4: All right, there you go. I don't think she appreciated my carefree attitude. I don't think attitude. she
5: did
4: <laughs> I think She appreciated my rather unique take on it. Well,
5: you it. know, when you're asking for tips on how to get, you know, the most powerful. I wasn't in doing the
4: world. that. That was if you said that. I didn't say okay, that. Okay. Okay. I just liked. I just wanted to gain knowledge. Uh, let's do just a couple more about this, and we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. Hello.
12: Hi, Rick. It's Shannon. Happy Halloween, guys. And to you. Happy Halloween. I was at a party, and these things were being used not too long ago. And they, they cut them open mm-hmm. and then there's like a gel in there, okay? And then they like let the gel like dry up and then you kinda like scrape up the residue and um inhale it.
4: So you're you're inhaling a dried up gel.
12: Right. Doesn't
4: that, just go, doesn't that just go into your nose? Oh, so it's like powder. I said it just goes into your nose and just sits there. So then okay, the gel becomes a powder and then they inhale it.
12: Exactly. Is
4: everybody Same. vomiting?
12: Nobody seemed to vomit. I wasn't going to touch the damn thing. I'm just like, first of all, they're really expensive, I guess, these these things. Like, you know, not that many people get the prescription, so right. they're going to sell it for a lot of money, sure. you know. And so it wasn't like being handed out. It was offered to me, and I'm not, you know, no. I'm thinking, no. <laughs> Thanks, guys, but what yeah. are you taking? And they're like, oh, it's this guy He's you know, got cancer for 10 years. and
4: Wait, no, let me understand this. So they actually have a friend. Who has cancer, and they took one of his patches to get high at a party?
12: Well, he sold it to him, uh, probably, probably in trade. Now let me let, let
4: me let me ask you thing. this: just uh, I don't mean to. Maybe either. that's how they pay for their treatment. I was just going to say, I don't mean to be, <laughs> in, I don't mean to be indelicate. Is it a, is it a, a, a terminal form of cancer, or?
12: As I understand it, uh, apparently the man is an old Vietnam vet, and and he's um, dying of terminal cancer. Well, so
4: so, so there you go. So he's. Uh, you know, so I, I guess the making the gathering ye rosebuds where ye may. All right.
12: Right, but. and I think he, I think he likes to partake in some other recreational use. So he, he trades it out to this kid or something. Oh my gosh. So I it's know. sort
4: of like a, it's like when you're trading lunches at school, but for you know, but with narcotics.
12: Exactly. Which is I,
4: wrong, by the way. People shouldn't do that.
12: They they shouldn't. And oh. starting gel, come I mean, come on. What? Yeah.
4: Well, I'm with you though because it is a relatively new drug, something like that. You know, it's like having a food taster when you're the king. I think you're going to let uh, dozens and dozens of your friends try that and then see how it works out for them before you even consider that. That would be my take, yes. It's being sold at area playgrounds. Right. That's a lie. You're making that up. No, it's in the story. It's always in the story. All right.
12: Well, and like you said, Tim, the guy died.
4: Oh, did he die? Well, yeah, the kids are dying from this. Oh, well, Should there you died? go. So don't do it because your body don't is a do temple. Don't do it. Yeah, that's it takes... All right, thank you, Shannon. Best show ever. All right, there you go. Thank you. Uh, I'm not saying you're making it up, but I'm saying that that always is the tag with these stories, and it's being sold to children at playgrounds, often. You know, and then the Halloween variation would be being sold to children as a Mickey Mouse stamp that you lick. But it, it just makes you think there's like a little booth being set up, like Lucy and Charlie Brown. The fentanyl the dealer is in five cents. All right, Jesus. All right, back after this, more of your phone calls. Tim Riley returns around the corner. Uh, Coming up later on, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. Top five horror movie scores. Uh, The uh, exit poll for the election. Clergy Watch, Geek Watch, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Everson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Is it possible that Green River is coming to... The hell is I lost it? To Dante's? That doesn't seem possible. All right, well, whatever. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on today, Aaron Geek in the city, Duran, uh, will join us. We'll play the worst interview ever. Not really the worst interview. I haven't. I've only heard bits and pieces of it, um, but it's about two minutes long, two and a half minutes long, something mm-hmm. like that. And you know, I think this is, a lot of you probably already heard this. Um, so on our sister station, Rock One and One K UFO, I guess. Um, I don't guess. I mean, I, 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 this did happen. I don't know the the background of it, but the Marconi Show did this interview with Glenn Danzig, and apparently it went all kinds of bad. Apparently it was just like an exercise and failed. Yeah, I
5: had heard something about it. I haven't heard it yeah. though. And I get it
4: it wasn't anything to do with them. I think it was all on all on that side of the table. I think Danzig was in a bad mood uh that day. Something had something had gone wrong in Danzigland. So we're gonna play that later on. Big Jim I gave it to me. So uh it's five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh let's see. Well I got some more notes about this stuff that I saw McCain doing last night, but we'll get to that in a few. This was Tim Riley. Maybe they can make up with it by booking Ted Danzig. Maybe he'd be a better... Either. I was trying all day yesterday to get people to laugh at that line. Ted dancing. Come on! Uh, and was, they wouldn't go on anywhere. Oh, by the way, just a couple brief uh, quotes. This is, uh, let's see, yesterday. Um, let's see, do you want to hear a creepy quote from Dave Zinn or a uh, an amusing quote from Susan Reynolds? An amusing quote. All right. So we'll talk more about Halloween later on, because it is all Halloween jokes. Really? Mm-hmm. Let's hear one now. I'm ready for one. Wait, hold on. Do we have a... Uh... Do
5: you have any spooky music, Rick?
4: I uh, Well, I only it's have... It's actually the... a Halloween riddle. I have the uh, oh. I have the suspense music, and then I, of course, have the... No, I, don't, I don't even have that, apparently. I have the suspense music, and then I have the...
5: I have this.
4: There you go. That'll work. All right. No, then that, that one sounds weird. Okay. <laughs> well, well, then we'll find something you... else. Hold on. No, no, no! <laughs> I mean, I'm. A, example, we're just working. On what I mean, we find have. something else here. To, seriously, when I'm about ready to give up. Doing the best I. <laughs> Halloween riddle. <laughs> and this joke service localizes, by the way. What city in Washington State has a very large ghost population? Mm, wait, hold on. What city? In I, Washington I, State. It, can I tell you this? Mm-hmm. This is so stupid. I pride myself. In being able to, like, figure out the answers to dumb riddles or jokes. I really, that is a skill that I really value in myself. And I know it makes me sound like a retard, but what are you going to do? The problem is, this is so easy, you'll never get it. What city in Washington, what is it, please, one more time? What city in Washington State has a very large ghost population? I think
5: it's something, if it's easy, it has to maybe be Seattle, but I don't understand how you can make that.
4: Well, is there a city that rhymes with ghosts? No. I don't know. It's so easy. What city in Washington State has a very large ghost population? It's Spookan. Oh, that's so (laughs) simple. These are simple. Wow. These are like Joe the Plumber riddles. That's great. I'm glad that CBS is paying for that comedy service for somebody. It doesn't belong to us. I just... Liberated. Those here. are the free samples. <laughs> you yeah.
5: liberated it. Yes, I did. Well,
4: yeah. Those are the. Uh, that's the free taste they give you before deciding to charge us for the rest of the jokes. I have more for later. This is a long program. Right. I'm just going to make this one observation. We. I, I have two Halloween lists. We have to get through today. Okay. And we don't do a lot of lists on the show, but these are these are amusing, and we got to get through today because really, in the in the in the truest sense, these are going to be dated if I don't get through today. Uh, oh, hey, and then I got to remember this: the uh, uh, Clinton Kelly, the what not to wear guy. Come would be amazing. Um, so, wait. This is going to be at Washington Square. Yeah, you're going to have to go to the suburbs. Do I have to? Do you have to RSVP for this? Yeah, you do. You have to go online. All right, done. And, and, and indicate how many guests you're bringing. Done and done. So I got to get to these two Halloween lists today because uh, yeah, we, they'll be completely useless on Monday. But there's this one, and it's the you know it's the ten most disappointing treats for trick or treaters, like the ten ten things like you don't want the guy to put in your bucket or whatever when you go to the door. Although somebody told me yesterday that it's not just my neighborhood, that, in fact, kids really just don't trick-or-treat much at all at this point in our... In our I was going to say these days. It just makes it makes me sound a little bit, what are you going to do? But would you... Tim, now, you live in a uh, a very clean community. Do kids trick-or-treat in your neighborhood? Yes, but I know who they are. But, I mean, in other words, though, is there a, is there a, a goodly number of kids who no. go trick-or-treating? Small no. number? Small. Are there, is that because there aren't a lot of kids in your neighborhood, period, do you think? There are a a lot of kids, but I think these days, parents bring their kids to these organized parties. See, and that's crap. I'm going to tell you right now. Not even the party. The party thing is not sort of crap. You know what what I'm thinking of when you say that, though? It's that... It's the pussification of children. That... Yes, it is, Tim. I can't disagree. I'm just saying uh, that is the sort of... They're taking the adventure out of childhood. That is the sort of clear-cut, bottom-line analysis that I expect from CBS News. And I was not disappointed just now, Tim. Well done. Thank you. You speak for us all. But it's like this crap where they take the kids and they trick-or-treat inside a mall. I mean, you're walking from a footlocker to a Cinnabon. To a Victoria's Secret. (laughs) To the Torrid store, to the Orange Julius, uh, you know, and then to the Sam Goody. Uh, where some disinterested, you know, jackass behind the counter shoves a handful of stale caramels into your bag. I mean, th- 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 nothing less interesting than trick-or-treating at a mall. For the love of Christ. Jesus. Um. Anyway. So, but they got this thing about the ten most disappointing treats for trick-or-treaters. I should just go through these now. Who wants to hear them? I do. I, On I KCMD do. KCMD Portland. Yeah. Uh So, oh, it's one o'clock almost. Already. It's one, one o'clock. o'clock. It's twelve fifty seven. Oh
5: my God! We all we've, need a weekend.
4: We've worked together for way too long. I
5: know.
4: Uh, all right. This is from uh, food.yahoo.com. Ten most disappointing treats for trick or treaters. Uh, let's see. Put together by guy uh, Aaron Zimmer. Blah 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 blah. Top ten Halloween treats that nobody wants. And this is not like a gag list. These are so. This isn't like the crap comedy we were just reading that CBS pays for. Apparently. Um. You know the thing is, was that comedy still sitting on the printer? Yeah. Does that mean that right now we're depriving somebody show material?
5: Did you just steal their copy? Well, I not it's stealing, not really Sarah. Stealing. You're sharing. It's sharing. It's we're socialism. CBS family.
4: Yeah, right. Um, the uh, so I we're just this to Katie Couric, even if she didn't ask for it. <laughs> I'm sure she'd love to read these on. The I page. wonder if that means that right now there's some CBS program that's less interesting than it would ideally be. You know what I mean? Is co- I was just reading that Sumner Redstone is trying to cut back on costs here at the network, <laughs> and, and I'm just trying to help him. So we should all share the same jokes. Yes. All right. Done and done. All right. So anyway, uh, so this is not like a cookie list. This is a list of actual things that would presumably be given out to children. Uh, Well, first, let's go around the room. Uh, Let me ask you just this. Of, you know, conventionally commercially available candies or treats, what would you prefer? Like you go door to door, guy puts like the candy in your bag. What would you like it to be, Sarah?
5: I like Butterfingers.
4: Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good for you. Tim? Three Musketeers. All right. Also a good choice. What I'm, about you, Rick Emerson? I'm saying for me, uh, I'm a big fan of coconut, so I like the like the Almond Joy.
5: Or the Mounds.
4: Mounds is good, too. Mounds are good. Yeah, I take either one of those. Uh, also, I I could go for just like a plain Hershey bar, just like the regular, you know, you get the regular chocolate. No fooling around there. But, yeah, coconut I like. Um, also, but I'm just going to tell you this. I don't know if they sell this in like a snack or fun size, but uh, there's that Snickers Crunch Bar, which is one of the best things ever. That Snickers Crunch Bar. I don't even eat them anymore because I had a real problem with those for a while. I That Snickers Crunch Bar, which is like a sort of a more crispy version of a whatchamacallit, that is one of the best things I've ever tasted in my life. And so I actually had to stop buying them. I had to make a little rule within myself that I would no longer buy them because I was eating – I was putting on weight like a madman with those. Um, uh, okay, worst worst candy? Something you don't want. Sarah? Hmm.
5: I don't like gummy things.
4: Yeah, gummy stuff. I don't know. You know, have I mean, you noticed this? People who like gummy stuff really, really like gummy mm-hmm. candy. I don't understand I've that.
5: I've heard pot a pack of gummy stuff and you polish it off in like two minutes.
4: Gummy candy made me kind of sick.
5: It makes me sick, too. Yeah.
4: Even just thinking about it, that makes me feel kind of sick. Mm. Like
5: yeah. whenever people crave, like, gummy bears or. Ugh. gummy worms uh-uh
4: uh, you know and then they make like gummy snakes and spiders and
5: octopuses right. yeah, yeah i, I don't octopi. like the gummy things either because
4: i have big spaces be- between my teeth like a james bond russian villain <laughs> and everything's and i have to floss every time i eat certain things <laughs> you flossing with a rope mm-hmm. um all right so we have the 10 most disappointing treats for trick-or-treaters uh these are in no particular order okay here's the first one and there was somebody in my block who gave these out this really i mean I'm not saying it should happen, but if you give this to a kid, I'm surprised there isn't just a beating right then and there. Toothbrushes. Toothbrushes. Uh, toothbrushes. No, but there was a guy in my block, and I think he was a dentist. Some jackass dentist who would give out toothbrushes. I mean, first of all... Toothbrushes? Yeah, well, they, well the kids hate you when you do that. I mean, the, the kids are going to come by, and they're going to engage in some sort of mischief at your house if you do that. And, I mean, it's just, And, of course, all it does... First of all, kids either throw it away or they stab somebody with it. They I mean, sh- they might as well give kids an overcane if, if they're going that <laughs> or far. Or fentanyl, Tim. Uh, but toothbrushes look, all we would do with toothbrushes is we would take the plastic hand and we would file it down on the sidewalk and then we'd stab somebody with it. I'm telling you right now. That's what we did. That was um, effective. So, uh, just when you start shiving people. A toothbrush just shows that a toothbrush is not just like an ill. Here's the thing if you're giving kids a candy, but it's kind of a bad candy, at least you tried. A toothbrush shows that you actively hate children. That's what it says. A toothbrush, it's the difference between, like, let's say you go to a restaurant and you forget to leave a tip. Okay, you forget to leave a tip. You know, you forget to leave a tip. It happens. If you go to a restaurant and you leave $0.35, that says, look, I didn't forget the tip. I just don't like you. That's what a toothbrush is. A toothbrush is the $0.35 tip of the candy world on Halloween. It just says, I actively hate children. Have a toothbrush. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Raisins. There's some. Some. I think I live with next to all these people. There's some dick on my block growing up. He used to give us boxes of raisins, and they're always the little thing. The little sun-made raisins with the girl in the Still bonnet. Have
5: like seven raisins squished in there.
4: And they're always and they're dried up, shriveled up, and stuck together into one big ball. Oh, it's making me all kinds of angry. I don't agree with this next one. Candy corn. I'm a candy corn enthusiast. There's some upstairs right now. Really? Is it mixed with dry roasted peanuts? No, that's <laughs> a healthy kind. Sure it is. Is that the lie you tell yourself, Tim? No, 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 it's healthy. Is that like when Sarah was telling Richie uh, that the cheese is good because it's a dairy product? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Richie's on his diet right now. I saw Sarah giving him a whole big block of cheese. It wasn't
5: a block of cheese. It was a piece of cheese.
4: It was one of those big f- well, wrapped up squares. Well, if not
5: it's just going to go to waste.
4: All right. Did you tell him it was a dairy product? Yes. Which I guess is technically true, but it's really just a fat. That's the thing about cheese. It's there's just some, a fat. There's
5: some milk in there.
4: Uh-huh. Uh. So anyway, candy corn. Uh, how do we feel about candy corn? Tim? I suppose it's harmless. Sarah, candy corn. Yes, no.
5: I like candy corn. See,
4: I give it a big thumbs and like, up. And I
5: like candy corn, and I like the little candy corn pumpkins. I those those love those. are my favorite.
4: And the, the, the thing is, you shouldn't love those anymore because it's the same flavor. Mm-hmm. And yet, I love those I love more. Them. I love
5: the shape of them more, yeah.
4: It doesn't, it, and it just sounds weird. And you weird, bite but it
5: right down the middle, and there's a the little of the green. does it
4: feel good in your mouth, too? It's yeah. like a weird texture or, or the, the hardness of it or yeah, something. It it's has like, like a,
5: the weird little green nub, and, the, yeah, and
4: you bite through And it's through. got the little seams around it to uh-huh. make it look like slices. All right, I'm glad that I'm not alone. I don't care. Here's what I don't like: I don't like that candy corn that's the autumn mix that has chocolate. I don't oh, care. Oh, the chocolate candy corn is disgusting. I don't care for that at all. No, no not no. one bit. Candy that's, corn. That's I'm like a big... designer candy corn. Yeah, I don't care for that. And see, this guy says it tastes neither like candy nor corn. What is up with it? Well, you know what it tastes like. Candy corn tastes like honey. That's the thing. It is honey flavored. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, these are worst Halloween treats: Necco wafers. Totally. Necco. Who? Okay. Uh, they're designed to break your teeth. The thing about Neko wafers is this. I have now retired this observation because it's been disproven several times, including by a guy who dropped the bags of it. I said for the longest time, nobody buys circus peanuts. They're there. Nobody buys them. And then you guys said, you both like circus peanuts, and we heard from people who actually buy them. Mm-hmm. I want to know who likes Neko wafers. Do you know Necco? Uh Tim, do you know Neko wafers? Oh, yeah. That is actually the first commercially sold candy in the United States. Mm. It is the oldest still produced, in fact, I think it's the oldest and longest running candy produced in America, period. It was the first commercially sold candy in the colonies. And they're still selling it now, which should, look, and nothing from back then is good. I mean, like Moxie. You know that Moxie? That's just like drinking. It's a bottle of it right here. It's like drinking, it's like, it's like drinking Robitussin, mm-hmm. but without any of the good parts. Yeah, Necco wafers, first of all, they're chalky. It's like eating sweet poker chips. I'd like to meet the person who enjoys a big bag of Necco wafers. My
5: mom would always buy me Necco wafers.
4: And they're covered in dust. What is the dust that's all over them? It's like when you were a kid and you'd get baseball cards, and there'd be that pink uh, stick of gum, oh, yeah. Yeah. that pink triangle of gum that would shatter like, shatter like glass in your mouth, and it was always covered with dust. Yeah, Necco wafers are crap. You know
5: what else is covered with dust? Inexplicable dust? uh, Bubble tape. Totally. Do you remember?
4: Maybe it's to keep it from sticking together? I think so. Bubble tape. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Bubble
5: tape. And big league chew.
4: I was just going to (laughs) say, do you remember going through the great novelty gum craze of the 80s and 90s? Big league chew. Do they still sell that? That seems like a thing they couldn't sell because it's meant to mimic tobacco.
5: I know. I would chew it all the time at softball practice.
4: Really? Oh, yeah. We would always, all of us would have our big league chews. We thought it was super cool. I got many thoughts on this. First of all, it seems like Big League Chew would be gone for the same reason the candy cigarettes are gone, because you're acclimating children to the b- behavior habits of tobacco. Big League Chew is meant to mimic tobacco. I mean, that's true. That's just the fact. So I would think they wouldn't sell it. Also, they, there was this short-lived uh, copycat product of Big League Chew that was Popeye spinach gum, and it was a package of shredded green gum that was basically supposed to look like spinach. How did that go over? Uh, nobody bought it except for my cousin. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, but, so, they also have bubble tape. Do you remember this, Sarah? And this is probably uh, after your time, Tim. Do you remember when they sold, it was like a, uh, it was a novelty bubble gum, but it was like a tube of liquid bubble gum, like toothpaste. Do you remember that? It would come in a thing that looked like a toothpaste tube. Oh my
5: tube. god, I do. And it's
4: it was like disgusting. a weird, liquidy sort of Elmer's glue consistency. And it never bubblegum.
5: Fully, yeah, it never fully gained the full bubble no, gum. No, it was always a little liquidy. It, it was a always gross. a little like, yeah, a little kinda runny. And it kind of yeah. separate a little.
4: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Also, uh, they had uh, that powdered bubble gum that was kind of cool. Let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, here's another one. God damn, my parents sucked. My parents would buy these not for Halloween. This was the go-to candy in our house. I'd forgotten this candy even existed. And now that I'm reading a... Uh, are they
5: Werther's Originals?
4: No, no. See, those I'm kind of torn about. Those are like an old person candy.
5: I know my grandma used to have a bunch of them, and she'd unwrap them all
4: and stick them in a bowl, and they'd all be stuck together. One be pick one up, and the whole Werther comes yep. with you. I forgot that this candy even existed until just now, and it's bringing back all kinds of, of childhood horrors. Dum dumb lollipops. Oh, man. Dumb lo- anyone? Tim? I Sarah? remember those. Sarah?
5: Oh, I just had one the other day.
4: Those, those are awful. I like the mystery flavor. See, I forgot about that. You know, but here's what sucks about dum-dum lollipops. I just always thought they were for people with low self-esteem. They weren't. Well, you're half right, Tim. I mean, you're right in a roundabout way. Dum-dum dumb lollipops are for people with poor self-esteem, but that is the poor self-esteem brought about by poverty. Because dum-dum lollipops are for poor people. Uh, dum 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 lollipops are are for uh, you know, they're from Kenny on South Park and his family and my family growing up. And my mom would go to Safeway once every two months, and she would buy a big bag of Dum Dum lollipops, and then it would just sit in the bottom drawer. And even then, at the age of seven or eight, I would look at it, and I would just kind of have this hmm feeling because I would look at it, and it was like I would just realize. I mean, no, I mean it's not like we grew up in a clapboard shack or something. We weren't dirt poor, but we were. I would say um, at certain times lower class, and at certain times lower middle class, never really flush with uh, money. But I would just look at this big bag of Dum Dum lollipops, and I would think to myself, "Boy, we're really broke. We suck. This life is terrible. Um, it's just, they're awful. They're just they're just the most low rent, bottom of the barrel, Z grade version of something." They're like they're like a Roger Corman version of a candy. You know what I mean? Made for about twelve dollars. Right. By the way, you know what else is like dumb dumb lollipops here? Like that big bag of generic ginger, snip, ginger snap cookies from Safeway. Mm. Again, it's just like eating a coaster. All right, we're gonna move our way through these quickly. Uh, bad uh, worst Halloween treats: candy, or I'm sorry, candy uh, apples. And I even I grew up too late for that. I I never got apples. Let's see. What else do we have here? Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls. Okay, here's a weird thing about Tootsie Rolls. They don't taste like chocolate. What do they taste like? That's its own weird flavor.
5: You know we're in the news hour, right? I know, and it's I... It's kind of
4: like some sort of powder. Tim gave us permission to talk about this. How I asked How many more him, candies are there? Like three. <laughs> <laughs> are you getting bored? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying it looks like We're going chocolate, the whole candy aisle. We're almost done. <laughs> okay. Looks like chocolate, kind of smells like chocolate, doesn't taste like chocolate. It what doesn't that, taste like what the chocolate. The hell flavor is a tootsie roll. The only good tootsie roll is the kind that's inside a tootsie pop. That's it. Period. End of story. It's the same one. Can uh, kind I of kind of tootsie pop? I like smaller. the brown one. I like the brown one too. Uh, let's see. Finally here, miscellaneous wrapped hard candies. By the way, they have the best visual aid for this. They're talking about bad Halloween treats. When they're talking about miscellaneous wrapped hard candies, they are showing the best possible example. You know what it is? It's that wrapped up foil strawberry candy from Hickory Farms. That's what they're showing. Two more. Laffy Taffy. Uh, and finally, anything fun-sized. I just dis- I dispute this. I like the fun-sized candy. Me too. Because I don't have much of a sweet tooth. I'm with that. All right, there you go. Sorry, Tim. That's okay. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Halloween stuff. Detroit had its Devil's Night, but they rebranded it this year, calling it Angel's Night. And therefore, there are only 65 fires That's as compared to 800 in years past. So it worked. It used to be called Devil's Night. Now it's Angel's Night. Is that like when Reagan called uh, called nuclear war an exchange? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so they had uh, all these National Guardsmen walking around, but not in their entire costumes. Because... Uh, apparently this stopped a bunch of people, so they're wearing black jackets and National Guard pants. Or maybe they didn't have enough National Guard costumes to go around. That's creepy. Well, how uncommon a sight can that really be in Detroit? Just, Detroit? just seeing the National Guard walking around. I mean, they're trying to keep every other person from killing the person next to them. Yeah, I mean that's a, that'd be, yeah, that's a that's an uphill battle. So now it's time to talk about more Halloween stuff. Whether it's a monster, witch, or a superhero, be careful what costume you wear tonight. Psychologists say the disguise may reveal more than it hides. Noted psychiatrist Scott B. says, "When you play dress-up, you live a fantasy, and you can unintentionally show off a part of your inner self." Sarah, what are you going to be? Gives go- us the opportunity
13: okay. maybe to try on uh, some new uh, personality features. Gives us uh, a chance to have some unaccustomed beauty or brilliance, power. Well, this guy's a uh, buzzkill. That sort of thing that we don't
4: get every day.
5: That's, I don't even know what that would mean about me.
4: What are you going as? I don't-
5: I'm dressing as uh, <laughs> Tim Curry from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, that's okay. So I'm, just, I'm a woman dressing as a man dressed as a woman.
4: That actually, well, I don't want to engage in dime store psychology.
5: Yeah, and what do you even think that would mean?
4: Are you asking me, or are you? <laughs> no, is that a, do you not want to know? I could give you my thoughts on that. Okay, go for it. I would say, do you really want to know? I, I know. do. I guess so. What it means to me that you are dressing as Tim Curry. But but Tim Curry, you gave me a <laughs> bastard. I asked you, and I told you there were ten. I said, what shall we talk about? Can we do this? And I said, Tim, do you mind reading this now? I a full I, list of I, 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 no, And you said, true. go ahead, Rick. I didn't know ten would take that long. But, but it's impossible <laughs> to get that time back now. We could go back to reading more of your humor. <laughs> well, Let's read more of, of your Halloween jokes. I want to hear Halloween joke. All right. A little break for Halloween jokes then. What lingerie item in the Victoria's Secret catalog is a ghost most likely to wear? What, look, one more time, please. What lingerie item in the Victoria's Secret catalog is a ghost likely to wear? All I can think of is boobs. <laughs> You're close. <laughs> but boobs are not an item. Well, to some people, they might be. <laughs> Once again, it's fair when we can make a show out of stuff I steal from the copying machine. What lingerie item is the Victoria's Secret catalog? is the most ghostly item to wear. That's the funniest, That's the funniest thing you've ever done. Boobs. I'm sorry, Tim, what is it?
5: You said it was close.
4: It's close. Once again, the question is, <laughs> what lingerie item is in the Victoria's Secret catalog, and it is most likely that a ghost might wear it? I don't know. A bustier. <laughs> okay. That was really funny, Sarah, what you just did. Oh, All right. thank you. All right. Well, <laughs> one All right, it's 503 733 uh, and so forth. All right. Well, uh, here, here's what I would say. My read on you dressing up as Tim Curry, who in turn is is in drag uh, as a lady. I would say this. It's nothing bad. I would say that that actually is very much in keeping with your personality and, and 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 who you are. Because, and we've discussed this on the show that you um you are uh because you do have a lot of personality traits I think that are viewed as being more typically male. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, it, it, at least in terms of I don't know how else to put this, but in terms of personality, anyway, you're not like girly. You know what I mean? In some, you know, in some ways, like you, you do have. Um, I think you do have a certain strength of personality and a certain kind of very, uh, sort of, like a very intelligent, sort of independent um, strength to you that I think, fairly or unfairly, is typically viewed as being more of a guy trait. That being said, you know, still very, uh, very stylish. Uh, still, obviously, take. You know, you have a great sense of aesthetic. Uh, you know, you take great care in how you look and you've got a good sense for, you know, you've got a good visual eye, you know, like your, uh, you know, your, your place, which is like the most stylish, uh, home I've ever seen in my life. No offense, Tim. Um, I must see it someday to compare it. Yes. I'm just saying maybe in two different ways, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and it, but, in, but, you know, but your apartment is really one of the best things I've ever seen really laid out well. Oh, thank you. So I would say that you do have a blend of feminine aesthetic but you do mix with that, then, I think, some personality traits, which are more masculine in some ways. No, oh, I can't disagree with So that. it makes perfect sense that you are, in fact, as a lady, dressing then as a man who is, in turn, presenting himself to the world so maybe I as feel a like woman. a man
5: trapped in a woman's body.
4: In a very stylish Actually, woman's body.
5: Yeah, sometimes. That's kind of funny. A
4: man dressed, uh, trapped in a very stylish woman's body. Which is not bad. I'm saying that. That's bad. not far off. So the weird thing is, we were just kind of goofing on that study saying, like, your, your costume says a lot about you. Rightly or wrongly, I think that costume does that is reflect me. Oh my god! It does reflect you to a great, a great degree. I think that is true. I'm just saying. Huh? There you go. Not bad. I think that's true, but I think it no, is no, I think interesting. I think it's accurate. All right. Okay. And uh, so forth. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, there could be hidden sides to our personalities, which we are more comfortable showing in disguise. I suppose it's like a bar when they dim the lights. Uh, you know, uh, we
13: cannot be recognized as ourselves, and so people again behave a little bit more uh, socially and a little bit more in outgoing fashions than they were ordinarily. That guy's a
4: killjoy. Dr. Scott B. Yeah, whatever. Halloween is a very dangerous day for children. Erica Jane's of the Children's Hospital of Louisville, says parents should remain uh, vigilant of what their children do, especially when they're crossing the street. Stay in familiar areas,
5: cross at street corners, you stay in well-lit areas, you try for crosswalks and traffic signals, and then you use the safe way to cross streets. You look left, right, left, and you keep looking as you cross the
4: streets. Nothing is scarier than a trip to the emergency room on Halloween night. Yet yeah, are going to be a lot of them tonight. Uh, nurse Shannon says there's an increase of traffic in the emergency room tonight due largely to trick-or-treaters tripping and falling and breaking their bones. The kids are excited. Wow. They run
11: out. They're running up the steps, and all of a sudden they trip on the pumpkin or their costume, and they fall. We usually see busted chins, lacerations, pretty severe abrasions. Sometimes we can even see broken bones and closed head injuries.
4: She says with a smile. She's a ray of sunshine, isn't she? Happy Halloween! A busted chin, broken bones, and what was the last that closed? Head injuries? Yes. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, let's discuss what the popular uh, kids' costumes are this year. The superheroes. Everything from. Is this a recording Batman, that you call Batman, and listen to?
6: And believe it or not, all the Joker. You know he's a villain. He's still very, very popular. And for girls, we have Hannah Montana's, which have been real popular, and Princesses.
4: Well, who is that? And Prince? I think Prince is. Princess? Princess. Okay. That's uh, Magic Etc. Right? Costume President Derek Henry. He doesn't sound magical at all. He sounds more like the Etc. part of that. Uh, that sounds like one of those uh, phone numbers at radio stations have where you can call and get updated ski information in the morning. We have... And there's always that hum in the background for no reason. And the background, three inches of fresh powder at Alta. Uh, And we're looking at an elevation up on uh, the uh, Park City slopes at about uh, 25,000 feet. This will be updated throughout the day. That's exactly what that sounded like. Uh, We've got this about raisins. Rick, my mom gave out raisins once when I was a kid. Her explanation was, it's nature's candy. Rick, anything described as nature's candy is awful and full of filthy lies. Also, I'm kind of bitter that children get to eat cheese under the pretense that it's healthy. If I had a lunch composed of blocks of cheddar cheese, which children are fed all the time, nobody would say, that's a healthy treat, good for you. And you can still buy candy cigarettes. Oh, P.S., my mom loves circus peanuts and Necco wafers. Maybe that's why I'm so messed up.
5: I used to always have cheese sandwiches. My mom would make them every day. Absolutely. They're so good. It's like mayonnaise and then cheese.
4: Exactly. That's what I would have for lunch uh, like nine times out of ten. And my mom
5: was really nutritious. I mean, she wouldn't give us candy or anything, so we'd have that, and then we'd have like... An apple. An apple. Yeah, Yeah. an apple or something, and... um, did your parents
4: give you a lot of sweet stuff growing up? No. I think you and I grew up in very similar households in some ways. Yeah,
5: because I don't really have a sweet tooth.
4: Yeah, me either. either. And it's because my mom kind of raised me not to have one, which mm. is why even now a little bit of sweet stuff, like every now and again I'll crave something sugary, but a little bit and then I'm done. Me
5: too. I'll have like a candy bar every couple months, I yeah. think, in the, but that's...
4: Basically, it yeah. drives Lara crazy because uh, she her, she's got a particular weakness uh, in terms of uh, sweet things for. I mean, everybody's kind of got their their sweetness, you know, their sweet thing that they're just a sucker for. Hers is ice cream. She has a, the ice cream is really like her. That is her sweet thing of choice, and it drives her crazy because every now and again, I mean, maybe every six weeks, I'll think to myself, ah, I could really go for some ice cream. Usually after a nap, I wake up. When I wake up from a nap, I crave ice cream sometimes. So, but I'll go to the store, I'll get some ice cream, bring home like a Ben and Jerry's thing or whatever. I'll get about, I don't know, uh, I'll get like five or six really good spoonfuls into that, and I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then I put back the freezer, and it sits there for a month. And she will open the freezer, and I'll kind of hear just like kind of this stupid, and she'll shut the freezer. And then she'll stomp around the house for a while, and I can tell she's angry about something but won't say what it is. And then she'll, and then finally it'll all come pouring, and she'll go, I can't believe you just let ice cream sit in there. And it's like how Stephen King used to talk about uh, after he quit drinking. Mm Mm-hmm. He was, dry, uh, he was a dry alcoholic, and he would be at restaurants, and he'd see people pushing away a half-empty glass of wine. And he said he wanted to go over and go, finish that! Why don't you finish that? That's how she is with ice cream. Um, but yeah, my mom would send me to school with uh, bread, a little bit of mayonnaise or salad dressing, and then just a big like slab of cheddar cheese on it. You think back on it now, there's really nothing healthy in there. There's starch... And then a big slab of fat that we call cheese. And then another layer of fat that we call mayonnaise over the top of that. That That's just a whole bunch of crap is what they're giving. It's amazing. I don't weigh 300 pounds. Here's Tim Riley. Talk about a scare. A Delta baggage worker got quite a fright when she opened up a jetliner's cargo door and found a cheetah running loose amid the luggage. Delta spokeswoman Betsy Tallon said that two cheetahs were being flown in the cargo area of a passenger flight from Portland to Atlanta and one escaped from its cage. The airline summoned help from the Atlanta Zoo. Experts rushed to the closed airport hangar, tranquilized both animals, and took them back to the zoo. The airline is now working to get the uh, big cats back to their owners. Uh, she declined to identify the owners because of privacy rules. Yeah, I don't think you could just be—I uh I don't think you'd just be mailing a cheetah to somebody or sending it on the plane. That seems like a bad idea. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
7: Hey, Rick, hey, Tim, hey, Sarah. What do you got? Hello. Uh, I got too many observations now while I was on hold listening to you
13: talk about candy, so I'll just try to get to the best things.
4: And certain people thought that conversation wasn't interesting in the slightest.
13: Uh, the, you know that powder that's on bubblegum?
4: That, yeah. That is,
13: in fact, uh, it's uh, like crushed marble, I think it is.
4: Like marble-like marbles? Yep.
13: Like or marble-like like,
4: like, a, like a shower tile marble?
13: Like a shower tile.
4: That's weird. What? Why?
13: It just it just keeps it from uh, sticking to. You know what kids
4: love? Kids love crushed rock. Let's put that in a package. Uh, all right, fair enough.
13: And uh, I, don't, I never really got cheese sandwiches because I never saw cheese as a, like a main ingredient. It always you know added to the added
4: the well, flavor to the meat. It's funny you say that. Actually, we were talking during the break about Richie eating this big this big thing of cheese and saying that in certain. Um, in certain diet, uh, diet helpers will tell you. Uh, you know, remember, cheese is a garnish, not an ingredient. And yeah. the
13: uh, best Halloween treat I've ever gotten, actually, is uh, Papa Murphy's always gives out small, uh, like, uh, singles of uh, pizza.
4: Oh, that's pretty that's great. Small
13: pizzas, pepperoni pizzas.
4: Fantastic. All right, thank you, sir. Happy Halloween, best to you, you as well, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and you would always hear the story about some guy in your block that was giving away, like, 50-cent pieces or, like, quarters or something, and I, you know, we never had that. Uh All right, here's Tim Riley. From Michigan comes word. Teammates in the bowling league think after rolling a perfect 300 game that Don Dwayne's heart just gave out. You get nervous shooting a 300, said teammate at Todd Place. The pressure keeps building. That also is seconded by the bowling alley owner, Jim Nutt. Minutes after achieving the lifelong goal of a perfect game, the 62-year-old bowler collapsed and died at Rovina Bowl. Don just collapsed, said alley owner nut. At first, we thought he just fainted. Then after I rolled him over, I realized it wasn't good. Teammates say he was uh, giving a high five minutes before. They tried to revive him, but he never spoke another word. He died from an apparent massive heart attack. He looked fine. Then he gave me a high five and fell over. I think he died at the time he hit a fl- uh, hit the floor. He was a member of the Nut Farm bowling team for some 45 years. His teammates said it was strange not to see him on league nights. But he finally pitched his, well, he didn't pitch, actually. He bowled his perfect 300 game, and Don goes down as a legend at Nutter Lane. So he bowled a perfect game mm-hmm. and then died immediately afterward. of a heart attack, massive heart attack. So would you say that he was struck down? Yes. It's a pity that God couldn't find it in his heart to spare him. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Does it need to be... Do I need to say boo as part of the joke? Spare him! Mwah, All right. Is it time for another Halloween joke, Tim? It is. And now, ladies and gentlemen, more prepared comedy that CBS has purchased for some other employee of this building who is unknown to us. What Halloween decoration is likely to be recovered if stolen? A boomerang. That's possible too, but that's not the right answer. That's not. I right think it. that's the better answer.
5: Wait, what was the question again, Jim? What
4: Halloween decoration is likely to be recovered if stolen? A boomerang.
5: That makes sense.
4: That one makes sense in your but face, it, but it's not the correct answer. I could write for one of these services. Okay, that's you a joke I... then. Start the file now. What is this? you your Halloween jokes. What is the answer? A low jack o' lantern. What? That's dumb. My jo- mine's bad. Yours was better that boom-erang. time. Boomerang. All right. Okay. You get. You know, the thing is, it's so easy now that I think about it. We, could, we should actually just, uh, you know, just start selling jokes for next Halloween now because it's so easy to work backward because all you do is you take boo and you work backward from any number of words. So, in other words, uh, you would say take boo and then you would work backward from this word. boo Titian. And then he'd say, like, where does a ghost get his hair done? That, that so does
5: it all just rest on the premise that something has to sound like the word boo? Pretty much.
4: Yes. I mean well you look you said boobs and I fell off my chair. So you know I guess it works. <laughs> and there wasn't even any joke leading up to that. Uh but so that's all you have to do is uh you know, you have to uh just take some bad pun, you know, like um you know, let's see, what else is it? boo? Boo uh what do you like with your coffee in the morning? A booberry muffin. There you go. That's exactly what I'm saying. And then, you know, then... And took no thought, but neither do any of these jokes, and people get paid for them. Next step, profit. Does there, is there... Uh, I shouldn't even ask this. Is there any indication at the top who those jokes were meant for? Does no. it indicate what uh, talent, uh, talent in the building might have needed that humor? It does not say no.
5: Mm. Are you just being nice?
4: Uh, no, I'm being truthful. Who would
5: be... Like, who in this building would use that?
4: I don't know. That's a really good question. It could be someone in another building who uh, punched up the wrong printer. Well, that's entirely possible. I like to think that everybody in this building, Tim, creates uh, their own uh, creates their own fun and their own amusement. Mm-hmm. All right, well, in any way. Yes, we all do. That's right. Here's Tim Riley. Shocking. Condé Nast pu- publishers and editors have been told they have to cut their staff by 5% and their budgets by 5% in weeks. So you know what that means? Men's Vogue is going to go away. No, no, not that. But not entirely. They're going to publish two issues a year. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank God. So it says here, confirmed, Men's Vogue has been absorbed into Vogue and will publish only twice a year. Like a Borg, sort of a... <laughs> It'll be a small, small, small version of it. Says More of a leaflet. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, we've talked about this when the magazine launched that it was a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, it's a bad time for a lot of magazines. Second of all, who wants Men's Vogue? First of all, I'm back to the first of all again... No man wants to read men's Men's Vogue. I mean, that just, just laugh it. if I saw a guy carrying a. Men's that's phone. what I mean. Nobody, yeah, no guys clamoring for that. And I will tell you this: here's a little anecdotal evidence. At my dentist, uh, I've gone to the dentist four times now over the last. By the way, do you know that between now and the end of the year, I have six more dental appointments? Good for you. Get it over with. Oh no, I am. I'm trying to get. I have an. I average one dental appointment every ten days until the end of the year. Good. Um. I would get it all done in a day if I could, but that's just not possible, apparently. Um, anyway, so I've gone to the dentist four times. Each time I go to the same... They take me to the same room, same dentist, whatever. You know what's been sitting there? On the shelf is a copy of Men's Vogue, and it has been unmoved. No one has touched it, because it's sitting at sort of an odd angle that I sort of remember. Four visits over about a month, no one has touched that copy of... And it's got Barack Obama on the cover. I mean, I no I mean, one can you imagine, you know, Joe the Plumber, uh, Men's Vogue, please. Joe the Plumber. Seriously, I... Did you see that there's a, it's going around today, and it's not fake. Uh, there was an Onion news piece from about a decade ago. Uh, it was one of those Onion headlines that somehow became true. The Onion headline, I, I wish I had it in front of me, sorry. the Onion headline from a decade ago was something like, it was uneducated forklift driver to ad- to address nation on national security. I mean, which is really a little too close to comfort for what's going on now. Mm-hmm. I got a, a couple more thoughts on the McCain stuff when we get into, uh, when you get more about the election here. Some of the other magazines being slashed: The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, Wired, Glamour. Just well, you. Year, They're all uh, Conde Nast. All right, it is uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, we should take a break here. Take a break, come back. We'll reset after this, ladies and germs. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We return around the corner. It is the Rick Emerson Radio program, 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 program.
1: Something strange. Come with us and you will see. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Fun you'll scream in the middle of the This is Halloween. Everybody make a scene, trick or treat. You'll never find me. It's a charm.
11: Teeth ground sharp and the eyes glowing red I am the one hiding under your stairs Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair This is Halloween This is Halloween Halloween Halloween
1: Halloween Halloween, Halloween. In this town we call home Everyone here to the pumpkin soul. In this town. Don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the
2: next surprise. The night goes on. i in the trash cans. Nothing's waiting on a punch and a punch. Green, Red and black. It's like a green. Aren't you scared? Well, no, that's just fine. Say it once, say it twice. Take a chance and roll
1: the dice. Ride with the moon in the dead of night.
5: Everybody scream. Everybody
1: scream. I am the cloud of the tearaway face. And a flash of I am the moon of the I am the wind
9: that blew your hair. I am the shadow on the moon. It's
4: the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Here you go. One of the greatest movies ever made. Nightmare Before Christmas. And it is hard to imagine now or even to believe that that movie was a big failure when it came out. Uh, that it I remember
5: when it came out, because it came out around the same, like early '90s, right?
4: Uh, no, would have been. I think it was later than that. Was it later? Because I, I think I was in Utah. Bless you. Bless you. I think it would have been like '96, maybe, something like that. I think it came out around.
5: Reason, I thought it was around the same time
4: that Terminator 2 came out. You know, I could be right. I might be confusing it with James and the Giant Peach, which is by the same director. I forget the guy's name. Uh, Selznick, I think his name is. Um, but the guy who directed Nightmare, people think that Tim Burton directed it, and he produced it, and I think did the story. And the production design. The director then went on to do that stop motion James and the Giant, Pete, which I. 93. 93, yeah, so I have sort of mixed feelings about. But it was not a, a very big commercial success. It didn't really, I don't even think it recouped its cost. But Tim Burton did the smartest thing. He did the Lucas, where he said, well, that's fine as long as I get to keep the merchandising rights. And I can tell you, just the merchandising rights from Jack Skellington alone, man, that guy lived the rest of his life on that. So it really, it's a classic though. And I'm glad that as time has gone on, this sounds like a weird thing to say, but. It has become the Halloween version of It's a Wonderful Life. Because It's a Wonderful Life was not successful. When It's a Wonderful Life came out, it did poorly. And then it became beloved over the years, largely because they just showed it constantly. Um, anyway, Nightmare Before Christmas. And I've never seen the 3D version. I know that every year they show it in 3D, and I've never been able to go see it. So, yeah, it's just a just a fant- just, just a work of... I don't know it like it's Citizen Kane or something, but I mean, it's just a work of just breathtaking, staggering beauty it really is it's it's just it's just amazing so if you are i don't know if you, if you're somehow if you, if you somehow have lived this long in america and you haven't seen Nightmare Before Christmas you really got to do it man it's it's quite something it is actually such an interesting and amazing and unique film that you almost wonder how it got made and i think it's only because tim burton was coming off a bunch of real strong hits i mean tim burton had made like 5 films in a row not least of which were batman and batman returns And I think if he had not been able to do Batman and Batman Returns and the big box office, they wouldn't have given him the freedom to do that. Because even in recent years, we've seen his creative uh, autonomy curtailed a little bit. So that's a guy who spends his... He does spend his creative independence well by making things that are wonderful. So anyway, Nightmare Before Christmas. There you go. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of... And now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I actually paused. I was trying to find a Halloween pun. I was trying to find some sort of a, uh, scaring up news stories, but, you know, I couldn't. Here's Tim Riley. Well, it looked like a hand grenade, and that's just the way Salem police treated it. Downtown streets have blocked out the bomb squad called in yesterday. Downtown here? Salem. Oh. Salem. After an employee of fast science reported finding what appeared to be a grenade, it was in a blue towel inside of plastic bag near the bushes. Bomb squads sent a robot to pick up the device, put it in a container unit, and then they blew it up. Well, what, you, what, what could there be to damage in Salem? I mean, come on. It's unknown if it was a grenade or not because they blew it up. Well, when in doubt, Tim, blow it into tiny pieces. That is the American way. A fire caused a million dollars' worth of damage to an unmanned underground nuclear launch site, but the Air Force didn't find out till five days later. The May 23rd fire, notice we're just finding out about this now, the May 23rd fire burned itself out after an hour or two. And multiple safety systems uh, prevented any accidental launch of the Minuteman 3 missile. Uh, This happened outside of Denver. That's comforting. Uh, The Spire is blamed on a faulty battery charger. Uh, The incident wasn't reported sooner because of the complexity of the situation. That makes us all feel better. Uh, Damage is estimated at a million dollars. Turn your key! The revelation is the latest in the string of embarrassing mishaps involving the nation's nuclear arsenal. In 2006... Four electrical fuses for oh. ballistic missile warheads were mistakenly shipped to Taiwan. And in 2007, a B 52 bomber was mistakenly armed with six nuclear missiles when it flew between Air Force bases in North Dakota and Louisiana. The Air Force announced last week it's setting up a brand new Global Strike Command to better manage these uh, nuclear missiles. What could go wrong? I remember during the 80s, there were these stories always floated around, probably apocryphal. But in the 80s, you would always hear these stories that. The failure of like some 15 cent fuse somewhere very nearly caused a nuclear war by triggering some whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, FYI, uh, more of why Portland is the best city ever. Uh, Rick, I just saw a group of drunken John McCain stumbling through downtown on a pub crawl. There were at least 30 drunken John McCain's walking through downtown. There are also several Cindy McCain's handing out white candies that look like painkillers. Halloween rocks, as does Portland. Or the patch.
5: I love Portland so much. And they just announced the date for a uh, SantaCon, too. Really? It's going to be my third year.
4: Hey. Oh, by the way, somebody has sent it. Uh, they've uh, created an original bad joke uh, for us to use for Halloween. Who wants to hear it? I do. I do. All right, this is from uh, Micah. Let's see if I can... Uh, where's my... Uh, where's my music? No, that doesn't work. Uh, am I turning up over there? I'm just yeah. yeah. My Here we go. This is from Micah. What scary insect... This is dumb. This is really bad. What scary insect do zombies use to pad their bras? What scary insect mm-hmm. do zombies use to pad their bras?
5: I know. I'm not going to say
4: it. Tim? I think I know it. Go ahead. Would it be boobs? No. <laughs> no. No. Boobs on an insect, Tim. Oh, they're not. Oh, I'm sorry. They don't feel like sand either. Let me take another crack at it. What was the question again? What? <laughs> what scary insect do zombies use to pad their? Oh, I know. If the either. answer is <laughs> ass, <laughs> boobies. Yes, it is, Tim.
5: <laughs>
1: you do you
4: win a prize? No. You win only a
12: movie prize. <laughs>
4: well done. All right, it's Tim Riley. A mechanical glitch in pool equipment apparently led to a chemical imbalance that has left George Washington University students with a loss of hair. Several students complained about losing their hair and severe itching. Winkler Pool Management has determined that high chlorine and low pH levels are causing this problem. The pool management company said it fixed the problem and will continue to monitor the situation. They're sorry all the swimmers lost their hair. (laughs) (laughs) That just sounds made up. That doesn't even sound right now. You sound like one of those, uh, like in 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 like a comedy film where they're doing the newscaster is finishing up a fake story, like you know, the nun apologized to the penguins. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, we had this uh, we had this kind of cheesy swimming pullout back, but you had to try to keep it, you know, clean. And they would like once a month or something, you would have to put like not regular chlorine, but you have to put these huge ass. They looked like huge aspirin tablets, but they were like the size of your hand. Oh, like, 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 uh, like urinal cakes. They looked exactly like that, and you'd throw them into the pool, and they were supposed to like shock all the algae dead. And then they would always tell you like you get in there when those things are going, and it'll take your hair right off. So maybe there's a germ of truth to that. Hey, who wants to hear a creepy animal story? It is Halloween. It's not about cheetahs. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, This is... uh, Let's see. Uh, I forget who sent this to us. I think it might have been Todd. Here's your freaky uh, story for the day about octopi. Uh, That is the dominant life form on this planet 10 million years from now. This is from the Telegraph, which is a British newspaper of some note. Subject line, Otto the octopus wreaks havoc. This is a true story, by the way. An octopus has caused havoc in his aquarium. By perform, This is terrifying. An octopus has caused havoc in his aquarium by performing juggling tricks using his fellow occupants, smashing rocks against the glass, and turning off the power by short-circuiting a lamp. That's just wrong. I don't hear about that. Stab believed the octopus called Otto has been annoyed by the bright light shining in his aquarium and discovered he could extinguish the light by climbing onto the rim of his tank and squirting water at the light to short it out. The short circuit had baffled electricians as well as staff at the Sea Star Aquarium. A spokesman said it was a serious matter because it shorted out the electricity supply to the whole aquarium. It was on the third night we found out that Otto the Octopus was responsible for the chaos in the laboratory. We knew he was bored as the aquarium is closed for the winter, and at two feet seven inches, Otto had discovered... And the idea of an octopus discovering something is creepy. Otto had discovered he was big enough to... This is so terrifying. Otto had discovered he was big enough to... Swing onto the edge of his tank and shoot out a 2,000-watt spotlight above him with a jet of water. That's not right. We put the light a bit higher now, so he shouldn't be able to extinguish it, but Otto the Octopus is constantly craving attention and comes up with stunts. He's lately been smashing rocks against the wall of his aquarium. Once we saw him juggling the hermit crabs in his tank. Were the crabs laughing? I don't believe so, so, Tim. All right, there you go. I'm gonna kill us all. All right, here's well Jim Riley. they need to be taught to do something useful to man. Like hanging laundry on the clothesline. There you go. What would they do if an octopus was on the flintstones, what would they do? Like maybe they would be uh they'd be doing something or other. Like they would be holding up dishes while they dry, like after Wilma washes. Them. No, filling up boxes of chocolates like in that I love Lucy thing. Oh, there you go. And then they would occasionally go into a living and then all right. Here's Tim Riley on K C M D Portland. Let's do a geek watch. Here's your geek watch for um Friday on the Rick
2: Emerson Show. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen's search dilemma, I remember you used to... just a television show. That's all,
4: okay? Richie's is yeah. noting the it's Octopus right. could be one of those wacky there phone one operators one where they're always having to put the plugs into things. There, there things. is no quantum plugs. Or a merry-go-round for There's small children. no goddamn shit. Or in the assembly line at Ford. Yes. yes, there it is. Here's your geek watch for Friday. Two of the scrappiest bantamweights in the Silicon Valley, Netflix and TiVo, are expected to announce a long-awaited partnership yesterday. Netflix will place its watch instantly streaming movie service on TiVo's HD-compatible set-top boxes, furthering the technology industry's goal of sending television shows and movies over the Internet instead of over traditional cable and satellite networks to ordinary TVs. Netflix, based in Los Gatos, California, is widely known for its DVD subscription service that mails discs in familiar red envelopes. It has been expanding its digital offerings and now has 12,000 movies and television shows that subscribers can view instantly over the web on their PCs without a charge. Netflix and TiVo say they'll begin testing the service yesterday. Here's the great thing about, uh, about this story, though, is that it really is like two titans of the industry and technology coming together because, I was just thinking about this, First of all, I use that kind of Unbox thing, which I guess they've now rebranded as something else, but it's like an Amazon thing where they push programming directly to your TiVo. But think about that. Both of those products and services have now almost become verbs, right? Like somebody, you're going to watch that I'm going to TiVo it. Mm-hmm. TiVo has become like Xerox, Photoshop, whatever. Also this, Netflix. Netflix has really infiltrated the popular culture and conversation, too, because how many times do you do this? Hey, have you seen that movie yet? Ah, it's in my Netflix queue. I mean, everybody says that. Net, the Netflix queue has become like a known quantity and commodity uh, in American media consumption. So, all right, well, there you go. There's your geek watch for uh, Friday on the Rick Emerson Radio Book.
3: I grab Hammer, by the
2: Sons of War I shall avenge you. Next.
4: Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. So true. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
10: Yeah, hey, Rick. Hey, you know, what, while I was on hold, I thought of a joke, too. Can I tell it to you real quick?
4: Is it A awful or B uh, is it safe for the air sir?
10: Yeah, it's safe for the air.
4: All right. Is it awful? I got to go
10: to my uh, I got to go to my daughter's high school tonight for a meeting at the booster club. I know it's stupid but Yeah. All right. But the reason I called is uh I want to know if you guys are going to get equal time. I I got this thing in the mail just a little while ago, Impact Research and it's for a there's only one radio station listed in it, but it's supposedly uh, conducting for radio listening preferences in the Portland area, you know. And, of course, I've been, you know, whatever, assigned this station to listen to. And I'm wondering if you guys are involved in this and I'm going to get one for you that I can fill out or Tim, have you if, thought about, Tim, if this should... is just a ploy for them, you know, to to get listeners. It sounds like they're dying to me.
4: Tim, have we, uh, have we ever considered just sending letters to people's homes, ordering them to listen? That might actually be the next next step in our marketing. That sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I don't th- we have uh, nothing to do with that, sir. But, you know, I would say, look, let me put it this way. Um, I do commend you on your radio choices, whatever they might be. So I'll, I'll say that, so uh, alright.
10: Yeah, I listen to two stations. I listen to an early morning program, and then I listen to you guys every day. That's you nice know, and like is in and, and that. That so, is
4: because you are a right-thinking and, American, sir.
10: That's right. And the other, th- there is one other thing, and I'm not, this isn't a joke about, you know, I'm not going to hang up on you. The guy that bowled the 300 game, yeah. after he bowled, he split. Best show ever.
4: Thank you, sir. Happy Halloween. All right. All right, there you go. That really is a better joke than I, either of us came up with. That out, really was good. That The whole thing was worth it for that. So, All right, uh, I'll do a couple more, then we'll uh, continue, then we'll break, then Aaron Duran. we got a lot to get to still. Um, let's see, Aaron Duran will be here. Uh, we'll talk about the you know, the, the horror films, obviously. He's going to count on the top five scores. And we got to play this worst interview ever. And, and, and Tim, you'll want to hear this, too, because it's short and it's very awkward. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: Hey, Rick, Tim. Sorry. Hello. Hey, hey hello. hi, hello. hello. Hi. I uh, just wanted to let you know a couple things that I've run across. I was Googling last night for um, for some reason I was searching for Todd the Corpse, and I came up with the
4: greatest blended celebrity <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let's back. Wait, no, 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 no. Back up. Okay. You were Googling looking for Todd the Corpse. Uh, yeah. Yes, I was. Did, I did actually, you get any results?
9: Well, I got a couple, but there was something really strange, in what I came up with uh. was the weirdest blended celebrity combination trifecta ever. Which I've decided to go as this year for Halloween. Which is? Sweeney Todd the Corpse Bride.
4: Okay, so is this a thing you're actually going to do?
9: Sure, why not? How would you dress up as Todd the Corpse? Well, of course, the bullet hole through the head. And then the Johnny Depp, Sweeney Todd
4: kind of way. We should explain a few things here. First of all. Uh, I realize now this is one of those things that a consultant would tell us is just inside baseball because no one knows what he's talking about. So one of our uh, longtime listeners, friend of the show, uh you know, he's written a lot of things for us. He's helped us write the the where I barely knew her and a whole bunch of you, you know, did a lot of writing for other stuff. Todd is this guy, Todd the Corpse. Uh, and the reason he is called Todd the Corpse is because um many years ago, uh Joni DeRoshi and I, we made a small independent film, just a short film. And the part of the corpse... Was played by this guy Todd, and that was I think mean, like seven years ago, six years ago. Anyway, he did play a dead body, and so ever since then he has been he has been Todd the corpse. All right, there you and go. And he's not listed in the yellow pages as that. No, but he does call his wife Mrs. Corpse by the way in emails now. Uh-huh. So he does say, "Well, Mrs. Corpse and I were watching Pushing Daisies last night." And all right, there you go, Sweeney Todd the Corpse. All right, thank you, uh, and so forth. Let's do a couple more here, and then we'll uh, hi. on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up?
13: Hey guys, it's Mailman Brian. Hello, sir. Hello, happy Halloween, everybody. Um, I had a question about the uh, political... Rick Emerson's uh, 2008 political party this next Tuesday at uh, Grand Central Bowling Alley. I'm sorry, what? I had a question about the political party that's happening next yeah. Tuesday.
4: I just wanted to I, yes, see yes, if sir. you could recite the whole plug front to back again perfectly. Why
1: would
4: you do uh, that, Rick? That's just me. I was impressed, actually. Uh, what is your well, question, sir?
13: Okay, uh, the question was, um, I, I'm going to see the Capitol steps at my prior engagement at the Schnitz. I'm wondering how late people are going to be Hanging out there uh, formally.
4: The Capitol steps, really? Did you pay well, for those tickets or were they free? <sighs> Tell me they were free.
13: Yeah. Uh, it's embarrassing. I paid for them.
4: Wow! Oh, no, it's honorable.
13: Wow! Okay. Yeah, well, because because I was at the, I saw the cat. It's kind of Mark Russell wasn't life. in town. <laughs> Pat Paulson is dead. And yeah. He-
4: well, here's the thing. We're going to start at seven. We're going to go to at least ten. Uh, okay. Depends on how the election goes.
13: Well, and hopefully it will go the correct way. Okay, so that was question one. Question two or statement two was, um, the. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago you were talking to your CNN correspondent about uh, what happens if uh, letter carriers throw ballots away. And I just yeah. want to let everybody know very few of those are thrown away.
6: <laughs> thank, just, thank you. you
13: know, just so you know, And, and the people need to get those in the mail today. today they got to be received
4: today. by Tuesday.
13: Right, so just right. to be sure. And and then the third part was you were talking about Halloween costumes. This is the main reason why I called.
4: Okay, th- we've got to be real quick here.
1: Okay, when
13: I was in sixth grade, my mother made me a Halloween costume for the Halloween carnival. This was in Orange County, California. It was a white costume with a cape, I mean, a full, like, ghost costume, except that she made it with a pointy head.
4: You look like I, a Klansman.
13: Hey, that's what I wanted, and she made it for me, and I went as a Klansman to my Halloween carnival.
1: <laughs>
13: <laughs> Where were you growing up? This is Orange County. Well, oh well, it was
4: appropriate. I mean, come on. It was, it was
13: hilarious. Anyways, All right. All right. It was the best carnival ever and best show ever. Thanks. Thank
4: you. All right, there you go. Well, I mean, really, if you're gonna pick a, if you're gonna pick a county, which should go dressed as a Klansman, Orange County seems where that thing is probably gonna go over the best. All right, let's take a break. Back after this, uh, Aaron Duran, top five, more from Tim Riley, and the worst interview ever. Don't go anywhere. Why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 733 503 733 Coming up later on, uh, Tim Bradley returns with more news. Uh, we'll play this, uh, interview for the Marconi Show, which is apparently great and awful.
5: I cannot wait to
4: see, to hear that. I only heard little snippets. I heard a few little, uh, little pulls from it, and, uh, it really, it promises great things.
5: Well, Jim was talking about it in the hallway yesterday, and he made it sound like it was the most awkwardly awesome thing ever.
4: And I guess it was bad like right out of the gate. There was no gradual degradation of quality. Apparently, just like from jump, it was uh, was terrible. Again, it had nothing to do with Marconi's side of it. I think they, I think they really played it as well as they could have. I think they, I think they made the best of the situation. But apparently, Glenn Danzig, a little bit of a tricky interview. Apparently, he's kind of a douche. Mm. So that is apparently just a word anyway. And I guess he, he did live up to that. All right, it's nine seven We still got to try to get an exit pulled down today, uh, as well. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from GeekInTheCity and FilmFeverRadio.com, Our good friend Aaron Durant. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm I'm great, man. This is my favorite holiday. It's fantastic. Woo-hoo. Really, is the best day of the year. Pretty, actually, it ties with Christmas. Like I can't I can't compare them. No, well they, they're sort of separate but equal in my mind. You know they yeah. are sort of there. Christmas and Halloween are. They're equivalent holidays in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of how my enthusiasm for them, but they are in totally separate planes. Yeah. So yeah. Halloween is like the mirror universe version of Christmas. <laughs> totally. That's, and see, in my head, I skip right from Halloween to Christmas. Um, I only I, forget about Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving sucks. It's, it's it's a stupid holiday. It's just my, my take on it. And it has nothing to do with, like, political correctness or Indians or smallpox or whatever. It's just pointless. And to me, I think largely because Halloween... Uh, you know, I love Halloween, but then you go into Thanksgiving, which seems to be centered a lot around, especially in you know, like in kind of a sports holiday too. And I'm yeah. not much of a sports guy. And as I often say, it is like a lot of the food that you really wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't eat the rest of the year, which means you probably don't like it all that much. Like, really, when in July do you sit down and have stuffing? The answer is never. Never. So, well, but, here's the problem. My biggest problem with Thanksgiving is it is a, as the one who does most, a lot of cooking, it is a lot of work for very little relative payout. Totally. And plus, at Thanksgiving, everybody's just kind of looking at their watches and waiting for Christmas anyway. Yeah. So uh, it's just sort of it's like you know what it is. Thanksgiving is like a like an only moderately interesting opening act before a band you really want to see. Yeah. And exactly. you're kind of sitting there looking at your looking at your wristwatch, going. Yeah, I should go to the it's booth. like when I went to see Marilyn Manson and Hole open for him. Yeah. And you're kind of you know <laughs> how many trips to the beer garden uh, can I make? Or or before you even leave the house, you're actually looking at the tickets and then at the clock, going like. All right. What's this? Sure. What says show at 8? So if I show up at like ten thirty, I should be there in time to see. So anyway, yeah. so uh, we got our decorations on at home. Uh, I no longer decorate. I don't decorate the outside of my house a whole lot because my neighborhood is filled with hooligans. And... Uh, yeah,
5: I'd just be asking for trouble. In your yeah, room.
4: so it's all basically inside. And the few that you can see from the street, those are still inside the house. Yeah. So I'm going to leave those up for another week, and then I go right to Christmas. So I'm going to have my Christmas decorations up by like, I don't know, like November 10th or so. What... Um, you asked me how I was doing. And I'm was sorry. There was just a lot of rumbling sound. I'm sorry. I'm
5: sorry. My microphone—it's stuck. It won't move.
4: It's oh, it's really no. There's those me. screws on the I know that, side. I can't get the screw to no, move. No. Here's though. the deal. You do this. You take. The, you knew it that way, and it'll actually loosen up the oh. screws. There you go.
5: Oh, so much better. Yeah.
4: Um, we
5: were going to do the top five.
4: Yes. Uh, we'll do that here in just a moment. Let's see. Um, I have something. Something Halloween-based that we were going to discuss. Your yeah, favorite? You are holding that. Uh, yeah. I'll get to that. later. Okay. Well, I got nothing. All right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. So here's what we're going to do. We'll do the uh, top five here, then we will either break or do the exit poll, then we'll come back with Tim Riley, at the Ministry of Truth, we'll do the dancing thing and so forth. Uh, what is your uh, top five today? Uh, mine is the top five horror movie themes. Not scores, but the themes. The ones that are, when you hear them, you think, oh, that's that movie. Or that's oh, so, so it's movie. not So it's not the score itself. See, I thought it, maybe it was like the, what I mean, the title track, or you know, whatever you call well, it. Well, yeah, is. yeah, the title, yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what? fantastic. I mean, what's five, it? The score is the whole four, soundtrack. The title three, track is the identifying five, one. Okay. Five, so it is a specific part of the score. Five. Yeah. All right. All right. Now the nomenclature is very important here. So so the theme. Theme, like the opening themes. Yeah, the ones where, and when you hear it you think, oh, that is from ta-da! And I'm saying right now, no jaws. So it is the um, it is the section of the score most closely identified with the film. Yeah. All right.
2: Counting is ecstasy. I love don't
4: you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Duran with his top 5 horror film themes. All right, we're just going to jump right into this. So at the honorable mention is the gonk from Dawn of the Dead, 1978, by Herbert Chappelle. Fair enough. Doesn't quite sound like the horror theme, but when people play this, you you think of zombies because this is the ending credits where the zombies have overrun the earth. Right. With just this weirdly happy music playing as zombies are consuming people in the mall. And then we're all just bobbing our heads like uh-huh. idiots. This is pretty great. Yeah. This also got, uh, it's a public domain song, which is why Romero used it. And it also has been remixed perfectly in Shaun of the Dead. You know, this is uh, one of those things where Romero decided to make public domain work for him for once. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Special note, kids: when you make a movie, file that name with the patent of the trademark yeah. office. P- put the little uh, C in the circle on the front of that. Yeah. Excellent. Good choice. Thank you. Unexpected, but good. Yeah, I had to throw it on there, but it, you know, it couldn't be in the top by proper, but I had to acknowledge it. All right. Can not Pop- be noted that
5: Aaron came in in a costume, and neither of us recognized it.
4: <laughs> that's a good. That's a really good point. Well, sort of Fat Boy. I didn't notice his costume either.
5: Neither <laughs> until I saw the because Superman thing. It's
4: how we would both dress on it. You know, because yeah. we work in Because we work in, you know, like a frat house meets Mooney Bin. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, Sarah and I both in noted this independently that Bobby came as Clark Kent with a little bit of the Superman thing showing underneath Mm -hmm. so he's wearing glasses with no glass you know just the frames and then he's got like you know like his basic look going on but then his shirt is unbuttoned a little bit to show the Superman shield underneath Aaron is wearing a white button-up shirt that is torn, spattered, drenched in blood. Yeah. And then, like, a weird... What is your necktie? like a skull like a zombie, or something? It's a zombie tie. That it's a zombie tie. It's a zombie tie. And Sarah and I talked to both of you for, like, five minutes but without even really realizing <laughs> you were in costume. I
5: know. I finally did. I'm like, oh, wait. That is
4: blood splattered. So that is kind of where we work. That explains, more than anything else, that indicates the uh, tone at this place of business. Indeed. That's fantastic. All right. Top five themes from a horror film. All right. Number five, Abhisatanas from The Omen done by Jerry Goldsmith. This rate's so low because it is so over the top. It is so pandering to the horror crowd. Now, is this a piece of music made specifically for this film, or is this uh, like a previously extant piece of opera music that they then repurposed I for this movie? I think Goldsmith took a previous piece of, like, gospel, and it wasn't always Avi Santanis, really, and then he added his own music to it. Yeah.
1: This
4: isn't that... uh Carmita Barana thing no, or whatever uh, that's called. That, no. Dun 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 you know, it's yeah, like the weird Burana, yeah. yeah, that's in everything. See it's just so much. You expect typo negative to come walking down the stage with their arms raised. Really? Speaking of Danzig, I was just going to say, all this does is remind me, this reminds me of the Danzig Black Aria record. Don't you mock Black Aria? I love Black Aria, you bastard. That CD is righteous. Out of print, too. Yes, it is. Did he ever do Black Aria 2? He did, but it wasn't very good. All right. Yeah, there's this Glenn Danzig CD called Black Aria, which is 28 minutes of sort of pseudo-classical goth music. Which is either great or ridiculous, depending on the mood you're in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can acknowledge that it's completely stupid and the best thing ever. I it, Black Aria by Danzig used to actually be my go-to like background music for reading. I was just be sitting around the house just reading yeah. something. I put that on, put that on repeat. Whenever I'm designing d and D game, I pop in Black Aria. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> right. All right. Kind of top five themes from a horror movie. All right. At number four, the Bride of Frankenstein Overture from The Bride of Frankenstein. I've actually never seen The Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> It's the best of all the universals. Really? Yes. Even better than the original Frankenstein. Yes. All right then. I I and that's another. I you know that's the one that uh, true horror aficionados will had better agree with me. You see, I didn't know that. Uh, I think it's actually on AMC this weekend too. So I might take it.
5: Are you trying to be too obscure? Are we gonna have any of them that I'm gonna recognize?
4: Uh You don't know The Bride of Frankenstein? I didn't know The Bride of Frankenstein. I've never seen it. Uh, you guys have got to see it. It's amazing. Have you seen the movie of Wow the Monsters? You, you just turned, into, turned into,
5: into the m- shiny guy.
4: And the booby doctor from Ebenezer. I barely <laughs> knew her. Well, how convenient. The Bride of Frankenstein is a perfect... Is a perfect. The movie is fantastic, and it's beautiful, and I'm just saying, you know how sometimes some people are from the South? Yeah. They work hard to polish that accent (laughs) away, but then when they get excited, suddenly it all comes back in full force? Well, that was it. That's that's when your weird geek slur. Whenever you sort of uh, uh, very spontaneously going mental about something, your geek slur returns in full force. Uh, well, that's probably true. Uh, well, whatever. Anyway, *The so Bride of Frankenstein. So, dumb question. Is it just about Dr. Frankenstein? The creature is lonely, and so he goes and he makes some woman into a, a zombie, uh, well, basically? He's basically forced into it. And the, the Bride of Frankenstein, although the sequel and movie actually <laughs> happens in the book. In the, in, in the right. Mary Shelley book, Frankenstein, that's all one big tale. But the Bride of Frankenstein, James Whale, the director, introduced... One of the greatest uh, horror kickers cri- um, of all time, and Doctor Pretorius, uh-huh. who is this flamingly gay professor of uh, philosophy that helps Doctor Frankenstein make life. This is pretty great. Oh yeah, it's great over the top universal scores. Excellent. Okay, well I, you know, I'll put on the list. I'll put it on my Netflix queue. I'll put it on a list of things I gotta watch. Uh, Aaron Duran, counting on the top five horror movie themes All right. At number three, the Prelude from Psycho, nineteen sixty, by Bernard Herrmann. This is great. This is a great piece of music. And I can't, I can't hear this without thinking of those great Saul Bass titles where it's just the stripes, the, the horizontal stripes going yeah. back and forth on the screen. This, uh, this, uh, this piece of music was then blatantly ripped off about 25 years later for Stuart Gordon's, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft Reanimator. Really? Yeah. You watch the credits reanimate and you're like, whoa. And Bernard Herrmann did himself, he ripped off his own creation because this is a lot like the music that he did for Cape Fear. Yes.
5: Boy, you... It just sounds like the driving music.
4: Exactly. Wait, you've seen Psycho, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have... what? Really? That surprised me. It's funny you say driving music because actually a lot of this is when she is driving. Uh, when Marion Crane, played by Janet Leigh, is driving on the road.
5: Oh, I was just picturing yeah. um, you know what's this bit hanging from the bottom of the car
4: while they're driving. Oh, the Cape Fear. No, you're the right. Cape Fear. Yeah. Okay, so it is. You, yeah. it's... So more proof that Bernard yeah. Herrmann was just going back to the well there, because yeah, driving in Cape Fear and then driving in Psycho. And then here's a question I always like to ask people: How many times does the blade go into her in Psycho? Well, that's up for. The, there's it's a matter of some debate. How many times do you see the blade go into her? Well, also a matter of some debate. <laughs> I gotta tell oh, you, God. look, can I tell you? I own not one but two books which are solely about the making of the movie Psycho. Huh? Yes. Uh, so I own one that is by, God, what is the guy's name? the name is um, um, it's like Romero. It's a It's like it's like. ...Somorrow or something, but yeah. some guy wrote a book all about the making of Psycho... ...and then Janet Lee herself wrote a book solely about the making of Psycho. And the two books disagree. Really? Janet Lee's book says you never see the blade go in. This other guy who wrote this book simply called Psycho, The Making of an American Horror Film, I think is the subtitle... ...he claims that if you are watching it frame by frame, so that's why, you know, the question of would you actually see it... ...he claims that Hitchcock, in sort of a, uh, a, a middle finger to the censors, inserted a single frame of a knife not necessarily going in but basically he chopped off the end of a knife and held it up against her stomach so that it looks as though the knife has penetrated her and that there's a couple frames of that in there so I, I don't know if that counts or not. That too. So I don't even know if that counts. Anyway, so I don't know. I, I don't really know. I mean, it's That's interesting. It's one of those things. Well, here's another thing. You know what You it, know he made this movie out of spite? Hitchcock? Yes. Because his last two big blockbusters didn't do very well and this French Artur director did this real low-budget film in France, and everyone was calling him the new Hitchcock, and he was like, "I would have none of that." I'll backs. show you who Hitchcock is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, th- let me just say this. Here's another thing that's really weird. It's it's strange how you, something you view is so iconic, you realize that for some other guy it was just a day's work. Yeah. It was just some just a paycheck. Do you know that Tony Perkins insists that he? Wait, no, no. I got this. I think I may have this wrong. No, 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 no. I think I, I'm telling it wrong. There is a dispute, though about who was actually involved in the shower scene. Because there is someone who insists that Tony Perkins was actually there on set that day and did part of the stabbing. Janet Lee insists that that's not the case. There is somebody who insists that Hitchcock himself didn't direct it because Hitchcock was out with the flu, and so somebody else directed the shower scene. Hitchcock says he was there doing it. So that shower scene, which is one of the most legendary scenes in yeah, even the participants can't agree who was there, which is weird. So that movie is... You know, that movie is filled with all... Here's another thing about Psycho. My last observation... No, you can talk all day about Psycho. It's an amazing movie. There is a rumor that still persists that Hitchcock has a color, or his estate has a color print of the film in a vault somewhere. Yeah, there was a rumor that he had a color print made for himself that he kept in a vault, uh, because they couldn't release the black and white one. It was just too gory. Um, And so, anyway, never been proven or disproven, but that's the story. Oh, that's so cool. All right, top five horror movie themes from Aaron Duran. All right, at number two, Stalking. From John Carpenter's Halloween by John Carpenter, which is essentially the psycho theme perfected in terms of tone and the the spiking and the. I'm saying for me, and I see your number one, and and as they say management, I hear you on that. Would you swap them? This one for me is number one, hands down. Okay.
5: Yep, this would be number one for me. First of
4: all, yeah, because I mean Sarah and I, you could probably both agree in this. I mean you're you know late, you're in your twenties. I'm a thirty, I'm a grown man, and this freaks me out. Mm. I mean it's terrifying. (laughs) That's Okay. Yeah. When we
5: would go camping when I was little, my dad would uh, take my sister and I out for long walks, and you know, at night, and he'd have the only flashlight, and then he'd turn off the flashlight and run and hide, and he'd leave my sister and I like screaming in the hike,
4: like in the woods on a that's hiking awesome. trail,
5: and all of a sudden he we'd hear this.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Best dad ever. Was, I still do it's that. Now hilarious,
5: but I was, I, I remember being terrified when I was younger.
4: Oh yeah, I mean that's. Oh man, this is—I could go on and on and on and freaking on about the original Halloween. Yeah. But This first of all, this gets extra points for me because John Carpenter wrote this. Yes, and this—the film Halloween pretty much started the slasher genre. Yeah. And uh, and this is also—I want to point out—the original theme when he went back, um, when it went on the video, and when he had when he had to do some reshooting for the TV version. He did a new score where he just added more bass. Right. So this is the actual, when you, you went to the theater, this is what you heard. And this is this is great because, you know, you hear this and you can visualize that great opening credit shot where it's a big pullback on the jack-o'-lantern. He also uses it again at the end when, boy, that Halloween film. People think that Halloween is just a slasher film. And, no. And, but, you know, it's so stylish. Mm-hmm. It's so atmospheric and kind of cold in a way. And no nowhere is that better shown than in the final moments of Halloween when... Pleasance looks out Loomis looks out and he I'm getting chills Loomis looks down and the body is gone Mm -hmm. and Laurie Strode is just you know she's like crying and whatever and there's that whole you know like was that the boogeyman as a matter of fact it was but then he looks down and Michael Myers is just gone and then they just cut to several different angled shots of streets houses I'm I'm freaking myself out just shots of empty houses shots of the graveyard shots of the streets with just leaves blowing and no one around while this is playing I mean, it's one of the best closing sequences ever in a film. This was, for a long time, the most successful independent film ever made. Yeah. Wow. Which just makes me wish that they would just take money away from Carpenter and force him to make movies like this again. Seriously. I think money ruined John Carpenter. I'm with it. And Toby Hooper. Yeah. Um, by the way, I will say this. The final final thing about this. Not that Halloween isn't a great film. It is. But it, it's the Jaws syndrome where now you can no longer imagine the film without this. No. You take this music away and the film loses 70% of its punch. Yeah. I'm just letting that happen because I know it freaks people out. Jolie, uh, when Jolie was on the show, she actually couldn't be in the room if we were playing that music. It it terrified her too much. Jolie? This is the main reason why I did not bring my sister in because at number one, she'd have left the room uh, crying if I'd have played it. Tubular Bells from The Exorcist by Mike Oldfield. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Now this is the one where I get the chills. And it helps probably that I grew up in a very religious household, and went to a church that very much believed that demon possession was real and you had to be careful because it could happen. I had uh, friends at the church who swore they had seen real exorcisms so when I saw this movie it destroyed me. You know? (laughs) It's it's a messed up film. I don't find it as scary as, as some others and as some people do. Um... For me, it's always, just for me, for me, it's always a little more difficult to be scared by the supernatural, because I, I just don't believe in it. Yeah. You know, I believe in guys with knives and sharks and okay, chainsaws. Yeah. You know, I don't really believe in ghosts and, you know, demons and whatever. But that being said, it's a messed up film. Especially when you consider that Linda Blair was 13 when she made this, and she did all that. Well, and, you know, that scene she... that scene with her and the crucifix. Crucifix. You gotta wonder, like, can you imagine? As much as people say, like, society's morals have decayed. Not whatever. Can can (laughs) you imagine if they tried to release a film now where a thirteen-year-old girl was doing that with a crucifix? Can you imagine what Drudge would say about that? Yeah. I mean, if they released a movie now where a girl and a crucifix were in that scene, that'd put the Republicans in the White House for fifty years. Oh yeah, and Hollywood be—you'd see the was it the Hayes board back or whatever, the Hayes Commission or whatever. Great movie though. Really, oh, it it's an amazing movie. Really and a well done. When film. they re-released one, they called the version you never saw. Uh, they had the new remix sound in it, and in the theaters it was terrifying because it would have dead silence, and then you'd hear you know Pazuzu the demon speaking right. behind you, and the crab walking scene is horrifying when you realize that it's a real person and they're yes. really? actually doing that. And an interesting thing about The Exorcist, if you go back and you watch it now, and I think this is actually only in the restored footage. There's a few sort of interesting things that they shot back then. And I don't think they had any idea how they would resurrect it now. You know, one of the first things in that film is the shrink puts her on Ritalin. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, that was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Excellent. Well, and then it's got even the terrible medical moments where they're sticking a spinal tap into her. Right. And she's screaming. Right. The machine is stabbing her. Ugh. Um, yeah. when, well, I okay. in, when I was in uh, junior high, I, I took a little tiny, you know the cards that used to play music? Someone had did this. And my mom is even more terrified of this film. And uh, I hid the card and opened it up like under the sink in the kitchen. That's all. And hilarious. then went to school. <laughs> uh, final thing, and then we'll break here. Uh, if you are interested in the in, here's the thing that fascinates me: is the the stuff behind the stuff, the hidden story. Um, and Sarah has heard me go on and on and on about the real the real girl who wrote the Go Ask Alice book. Yeah. And, you know, and Jay's journal. And that's the stuff I'm fascinated by. Skeptical Inquirer, which is really a pretty great magazine. Uh, I don't read it a lot. But Skeptical Inquirer, they had a really great, fascinating investigative piece. Like a real, like a, a very serious news article where they went back to New England and they tried to investigate and to find the real boy that Mm -hmm. this story was supposedly based on and it's I won't give it all away but it's obviously true I mean not not that he was possessed by the demon but they found the actual case that sort of prompted all of this yeah and they they sort of you know have their own thoughts on whether it was real or not I would really strongly encourage you to go find that article and read it it's fascinating detective work the weird little postscript to that I don't know if it's true or not but there is a rumor that he lives here now I've heard that That I've heard that he lives in Portland on that note, we take a break. Come back with more Halloween after this. Tim Riley uh, and uh, this Danzig interview, which we've been told is great slash terrible. Back after this. I wish I could do the the narration. The uh... It was either this or that, uh,
1: the... uh...
0: Greetings, my friend. (laughs) We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future.
4: It's funny because it's true. You
0: are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you... The full story
4: of what happened on that fateful day. And we're now, from the Ministry of Truth, uh, I failed. Harley. I failed. Like Stevens, van who admitted stealing backpacks from schoolchildren because he thought they were smuggling drugs, will get four years in prison. Sonomish County Superior Court Judge Ellen Fair also banished 47-year-old James Galligan from parts of the county for 10 years. She said during her sentencing she wanted to create a James Galligan-free zone to prevent him from bumping into victims and a their James family. A James Galligan-free zone. Mm-hmm. I got some guys I want to create zones for. He stole a boy's backpack at a bus stop last year and then forced his way onto another bus to take a backpack from a 12-year-old. He allegedly sent his dog, Peaches, told him the kids were smuggling drugs on the bus. Well, okay. By the way, here's somebody, uh, a woman says, my middle name is Lee, L-E-I-G-H. My mother picked it because she loved Janet Lee in Psycho. That's pretty fantastic. Uh-huh. That is fantastic. And today's final lame Halloween joke. <gasps> all right, hold on. Let me, uh, I wasn't prepared for this. I'm sorry for screwing up the segue from Plan 9 of you. That was all my fault. Not a problem. Now, Rick Emerson takes full responsibility. Halloween comes once a year. All right, hold As on. It's always me. next year. Uh, and, okay, this is our final bad Halloween joke. Keep in mind, this is comedy... Uh, purchased by CBS for use on one of our other fine radio stations, yeah. presumably. All right. What video is the most popular with male ghosts? What video is the most popular with male ghosts? This is like some terrible Karnak thing we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. All right, uh,
5: Aaron knows, so he can't say.
4: What do you think, Rich? What video? What video is most popular? Like a music
5: video? Like what? A, a movie no, video? No, this is
4: this would be a movie video, yes. What movie video is the most popular with male ghosts? Wait. I'm just thinking of porn films. Uh, <laughs> of course you are. But I was are trying close. to think... You are cool Really? Co- um... um yeah. It might be considered no. softcore porn That's by some. I give up, Tim. What video is the most popular with male ghosts? <laughs> Ghouls Gone Wild. <laughs> Thank you. That's one. I'm just confused. That didn't
5: end with boo or something. Yeah,
4: I was. I was just trying now to I think say of, that one for a laugh? Yes. It's ending on it up. All right. Are you off to prepare more news, Tim? I am, yes. All right. Are you excited for next Tuesday night's election party? I couldn't be more excited. It's going to be fantastic. I Uh, think so, too. All right. Coming up next Tuesday night, 7 p.m. at Grand Central Bowl in beautiful southeast Portland. uh, That is an 8th and Morrison, uh, starting at 7 p.m., featuring live broadcast by news director Tim Riley throughout the night. Uh, Sarah and I will be uh, contributing uh, observations, (laughs) musings, drunken slur. Uh, you know, uh, drunken slurred, uh, you know, thoughts on the night's event, whatever they Perhaps might be. drunken bowling. Exactly, that as well. That's the uh, most kind. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, I would say, some special guests as the night uh, wears on. Too yeah, more than that. likely, yes. Um, so, anyway, uh, that's uh, part of our partnership with the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project, and, of course, brought to you by our fine sponsors, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, Taboo Adult Video. It all starts next Tuesday, 7 p.m. at Grand Central Bowl. We'll also have commentary and analysis by CNN radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, as well as Kira Phillips. Steve I'm James Roop, and more. So, Oh, and Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, uh, back at 4, 5, uh, 6, and 7, top of the hour all the way through, like us. All right, excellent. All right, so we've got... Okay, so now we... We've got some time. So we have time to do the dancing thing. That's cool. Okay, so... And
5: we've got a top five out of the way. Hot dog. Look at us. We yeah.
4: rule. All right, so I haven't heard anything... All I heard of this interview was about... I heard like 10 or 12 seconds of it. And I think it was this part where dancing would... Be, swore at them using the F word... And so, uh, as I understand it, this happened, today's Friday, this was on on Wednesday. So I guess on Wednesday, the Marconi show on KUFR sister station, they had booked this interview with Den Glanzig, who, uh, Glenn Danzig, who apparently is kind of an ass anyway. I, I guess he's sort of an obnoxious, you know, and not so much like the, with the Rollins thing where he's just sort of intimidating. I guess Danzig is sort of actively jerky sometimes. Well, and he kind of is the grumpy old man now. Maybe. And I mean, you know, he's he's got the show with the Roseland which is a week from tonight. And so they bring him on the show, and all I have heard, again, is a little tiny excerpt, but apparently it goes pretty badly, like right out of the gate, and then never gets any better. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you uh, our sister station, KUFO. This is Marconi and Big Jim interviewing Glenn Danzig.
14: Glenn? Yeah. How you doing? Uh, Okay. Okay? Yeah.
9: Everything all right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. You don't sound like you're very happy.
14: Are you are you hungover, Glenn? Nope. No. I, I don't think Glenn, I don't think you drink, do you? uh Occasionally I have a glass of champagne or something. That's about it. Once in a while. You, there's there's a hum on his phone,
13: Big Jim. There's like a uh, like like a monitor, like a guitar. Do you have a guitar plugged into our, your phone right now? No. No. Well, good. Time. Now, how many times you've been to Portland in the last couple of years? A few times, haven't you?
14: Uh, yeah, I think so.
2: I think we woke Glenn Danzig up from a nap, Big Jim.
9: Did they just wake you up from a nap and say, here's the phone? Uh,
14: No, you you get what you give. If you ask stupid questions, you get, you know. Are you saying we're
9: asking stupid questions?
14: Yeah, pretty much. I
13: I don't know what I did. Did I do something
9: wrong? No.
13: Okay. Well, uh, it's nice to talk to you. I hope the tour goes
9: well.
14: tour's going great.
9: Yeah. Yeah. And uh what do you do on your off time? What what do you do for fun, Glenn Danzig?
14: Uh depends on what's available. Like what what do you like to do here in Portland? Uh sometimes I go book shopping. The Palace uh, books? Things like that. Yeah. Yeah.
13: Well I'm sorry you don't want to talk to us, man. Maybe we could reschedule the interview for a better time.
14: That's up to you, man.
9: <laughs> I mean you just don't sound like you want to be on the phone with us at all.
14: You know, if that's the way you feel. And, I mean, um, no.
9: I'm just, I'm saying to you, like, uh, I don't, I don't know what we
13: did
3: wrong.
14: I didn't know that you did anything wrong.
3: I know. I thought was, we're just trying to keep this lighthearted, and you know, yeah, uh, we were just having fun. It seem like you. you're, you're down for it much. I don't, I don't want to force you to do something
9: you don't want to do.
14: You know what, dude? You know, I call you guys. If you want to do an interview? Great. If you don't want to do an interview, then you know what the f- can I say? <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thank you very much. All right, late.
2: Glenn i going to ask him to do a, a letter for the show. Oh,
14: damn, Big Jim, it's too bad. That was, I mean, I am in awe.
4: <laughs> yeah. So uh, there you go. Oh,
5: don't play it again. Okay. No, no, no. It, was, don't it, don't start, it started
4: to... looping at the beginning again. Oh. Wow. Oof. What a jerk. Well those you got to give it for those guys though, they
5: they held together like after he's just like you get what you give. And they uh, I... they didn't ask anything stupid.
4: No, and they, you know, and they they tried to uh, be accommodating and polite. Did we wake you up? Would you like to do are you distracted by something? Would you like to do this at another time? And I think they did the, they did the thing. Good for those guys. They did the thing that is the hardest to do, which is just to steer into the skid. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I and we've all had interviews. Off the you know, Tim is off uh, preparing more news. Uh, but we've all had those interviews where it just, you know, uh, it just, just on the very first syllable that it's just going to go bad. You just know it's going to end poorly. And, it, and, it is, and you realize about 20 or 30 seconds, it is never like, this is it. This is as good as it's going to get. It, it's never going to improve. And the, the instinct initially is to just be completely cowed by it and just to be intimidated and, you know, whatever. And those guys are great. They just, Im- or, or just to end it immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, we have a bad connection. No, they were hang up. very mature it. about it. No, no, no. They, they totally, they embraced it, and they again, they just steered right into it. Good for them. Man, oh, well, Glenn Danzig and Steven Seagal should host a talk show. Seriously, that's what it's like. He was like a slightly <laughs> angrier, mm. more lucid and energetic Steven Seagal. Oh. Wow. Strange image. All right. Seeing them tour together. All right. Uh, all right, we should take a break here, get our final break done. We'll come back, by the way, as we break. Uh, we want to say hello to listener Ethan, with whom we spoke yesterday. We also want to say hello to Ethan's daughter, Mara, who apparently listens to us now. Warping them young. It is the Rick Emerson Show's mission statement. Hi, Mara. Thanks for listening. Hi. All right. Back after this, more of Aaron Duran, your phone calls, and an exit poll around the corner. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Stay right there. Why, hello. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson program. I, and I should have this is my fault. I, I should have done this one earlier. Why, Sarah? What is a ghost's favorite radio station? I don't know. Why, Sarah? What is it? Oh <laughs> what is a ghost's favorite radio station? K-boo? There you go. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna play something very special for you in just a moment. In the uh, meantime, though, uh, before we do that, let me just give out the phone number. It's 503 right, now is the time on the Rick Emerson Show when we will do our exit poll for today. And we're going to do actually a few of these on Monday. I think we've been doing one today, but I, maybe on oh, yeah, Monday. This, oh,
5: this is all coming to an end.
4: Yeah, we got. I mean, a lot of people probably already voted, so we got to uh, crank this up more on Monday. But today we will do our exit poll. If you have voted for the presidency of the United States, whether you live in Oregon or anywhere else, doesn't matter. If you live in a place where you've already voted, uh, the number is 503 733 503 733 Two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We will now uh, take your uh, response on that. If you have voted in this year's presidential election, for whom did you vote? It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We will do today's exit poll. In the meantime, though, Sarah, we were just playing this, uh, this great, wonderful, bad, and then brilliant interview that Marconi and Big Jim did on KUFO with Glenn Danzig. And Sarah made the perfect connection. She said that it sounded like the interview we did no, I with... I think Aaron did it that. Aaron, Did Aaron do Yeah. It? But it sounded like the interview we did with Steven Seagal, but just more high energy. And then Sarah, God bless her, still has the audio. So, ladies and gentlemen, the next sound you will hear is that of Rick Emerson interviewing Steven Seagal. Hey Hi, Steven? Yes, sir. Hey, how, how are you doing, Steven? I'm oh, good. good. All right, then. So, I had this whole gigantic build-up idea the minute... Uh... And then, it, and then it was for nothing because you weren't on the phone. But that's okay. You'll just have to insert a fantastic introduction here. Okay. So uh, you're coming to, uh, you're coming to uh, Dante's May 28th. You've got your new album out, uh, Mojo Priest. Now, a lot of people, uh, Steven Seagal, they don't know. They think of you as an actor first and, of course, a martial artist. And uh, they are not familiar with uh, with your history as a musician and what you do. What, how did you uh, How did you come to uh, uh, to be a musician? Is there something you've always done, or is it something that you kind of branched out into later? In life?
14: Well, I grew up uh, kind of in an all-black neighborhood where people from the Delta had come to try to work in the steel mills, and um, across my road was uh, a family of. <coughs> People who were great kind of Delta musicians, old folks. And I used to sort of sit on the porch with them and listen to the music. And it was kind of, you know, guitars and horseshoes. And I'd play some horseshoes and get back up on the porch and listen to guitar. And that was, just kind of got into my blood when I was young, uh, five
0: or six years old. And then I, of course, after that, you know, tried to learn All how to
4: right. right. do um, How long is the whole thing? I went around the um, world and was lucky I enough.
5: Say. I think it's like uh, between,
4: Detroit, Texas and Louisiana. all right. Nine. By the way, the best part is while I was doing the whole interview, and you can hear me starting to lose my composure early, and I started to crack up. I was
5: messing with you. I remember
4: that, Sarah. And this is back when we were all in just one tiny room together. I mean, much smaller than the studio right now. And Sarah is just losing her s. You were—I'd I mean, be doubled over with silent laughter, and it is everything I can. And I'm not even looking. I'm looking straight. I'm closing my eyes. I'm looking straight and trying not to laugh. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those things where, like, right out of the gate, you know it's... Hey, uh, Steven Seagal, how are you? Uh, uh, you know, no. All right. Uh, let's go to the uh, phones for the Rick Emerson Show exit poll. It's 503 733 503-733-2970. If you'd have voted for president, we want to know who got your vote. Hi, Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote?
8: John McCain.
4: John McCain. Thank you, sir. Hi, you're on I'm the... Out of the gate. You're on the uh, Rick Emerson uh, radio program, the exit poll. For whom did you vote? Uh, Sarah's vibrator. You. I think I speak for everyone when I say ick. I Hi. don't think it's allowed to run for office. Hi, you're on the... You're on Hi. the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: Hi. I am an agent of change. Obama. All
4: right, thank you. Hi, it's 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote?
9: I voted for John McCain. He wants to suck your blood.
4: Uh-huh. Is that real, then? Oh,
9: cue the crickets.
4: Oh, I can't do the <laughs> Okay Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show exit out, right? poll For whom did you vote?
14: Court Fatboy. Fat
4: Alright, thank you Hi, are 503 733 Rick Emerson Show exit poll For whom did you vote? Hello, o- it's you Obama Obama, got it, thank you uh, Hi, Rick Emerson Show exit poll For whom did you vote?
3: President John McCain.
4: All right, thank you. Wow. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? John McCain. All right. Wow. All right. I, I have to say that this is a little bit of a reversal from previous days. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Sarah's experiencing it's fear. Beer. It's got the smart people already voted. That's Aaron Duran who said that Rick Emerson is above the partisan fray. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Hello, it's you. Okay, you can't use a See? phone, you're not allowed to vote. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right, thank you.
9: And We're... Kerry, actually.
4: <laughs> well, okay. okay. Uh, we'll do one more, actually, because that'll be the tiebreaker for today. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Yes, I would like to touch your placenta. <laughs> <laughs> the vibrator's running. Do makes... you even want to do one, another one? No, just
5: leave it. Let's leave it. Oh, there you go.
4: No. If you want to. No, we'll call it tied. Okay. There you go, we are tied. For today, well, that's that's McCain's strongest showing yet, tied with Obama in terms of our wildly inaccurate poll. (laughs) The election's been postponed for a rain delay. I'm not even going to say it's inaccurate. It's just I have we had Tim and I had a whole discussion about this, about the scientific accuracy of this versus not regular polling, but versus exit polling. And I got to believe that this is actually no more inaccurate than when they ask those people coming out of the polling, who'd you vote for? I believe
5: so, because they have just as much likelihood of lying on this show as they do talking to the person that they're coming out of the polling before. for. Totally. I actually
4: think they might be more honest here, because they're not facing you, so they won't have the guilt of, like, I, I would never vote against the black man. So they don't have to actually say, like, I voted for Nader. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Aaron Duran, new episode up. Absolutely. Episode 123, uh, featuring uh, Casey Davies, Kevin Smith and Portland Outlook's Rick Emerson. Look at you. What? What? Really? Yeah. Oh. Look at me. Um, literally and figuratively. All right. <laughs> FilmFeverRadio.com and, of course, GeekIntheCity.com. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Dick Uliana for joining us today uh, and uh, so forth. All right. Uh, Rick Emerson, Joe, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah in for AM 970, The Talker, in the Newsroom, Tim Riley, and the Phones, Richard Bristol, The Gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, Webmistress. Bridget from Upstairs, and, of course, CBS Radio, Portland Marketing Guru, Susan, Don't F With Me, Reynolds, Miles Around Tomorrow, 9 to 11, and Musicology with Kristen Bowie and Timmy Ryan, Sunday, uh, 7 to 9. As always, be safe. Thanks for listening. Have a Safe and happy Halloween. Watch out for snakes and ghosts and boobs. See you Monday. Bye.